<laughs> I got a story. It's actually a behind the scenes story for you. Everyone knows every song has a story behind it. Drug overdoses, addiction, guilt, being starved for attention, moving on after the death of a loved one, being caught in the friend zone, and yes, just wanting to have a good old fucking time by letting loose. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com, we know it by now, it's the cute, quaint corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merchandise you had no idea existed. Most people surf the web just honestly in search of something new. Swipe right on AndrePsyche.com. No, I just ad-libbed that. I don't think he has the swipe ability. Although he is very swipe right able, he would be swipe rightable. I believe he has swipe right ability. Yes, that's what I would say. <laughs> and to transition, well, my friends, the World Wide Web with the help of Wi-Fi allows you to shop and obtain all of the items created by Andre that you've most likely never seen. We are talking about literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, poetry, or any custom gift that your soul may desire because Andre, after all, is the freelance creator extraordinaire that will make your dreams tangible. So go to andrepsyche.com and just let your spirit guide you. Each and every item on the site is going to have a story behind it that will speak to you. Nothing is made. Everything is created on andrepsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Please, 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 please do us a favor Take a moment right now and subscribe to the podcast on whatever application you pushed play on. And if you have the time and if the application allows it, like Apple, please leave a review and rating, comment on what you thought about it. All of this really helps us at the Getting to Know You pod be in a better position for sponsorships. And if you haven't already, also friend and follow the podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search us up. It's getting the number two, no, the letter U, pod. And finally, yes, as I've already mentioned, we are looking for sponsors. If you or someone you know has a business or brand like Andre and would like to expand your market globally, please consider partnering with us. We get people from all around the world on this podcast, all around the country, all around the world, and we are downloaded in over 24 different countries, over 37 different states, and are fast approaching 2,200 total downloads. So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, all you got to do is message us. Our sponsorship rates are extremely reasonable, and we would love to partner with you. And now, getting to know the story behind the music. Hello. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. On today's show, we are getting to know a little bit more of my favorite guest ever of all time, Laura Lee. 
Laura Lee, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Thank you. Such a beautiful introduction. I, I believe I believe this one. The last one you said I was an international star. I didn't believe that one so much as I believe this one. It's like, how could I not be your favorite? I mean, please. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm just going to use that for every single intro from here on out. And then maybe like timestamp if someone ever wants to skip it, like to write after I say it. This way, maybe <laughs> other people won't notice that I call everyone my favorite. Almost like kids, we'll right? believe you if you're speaking with artists we are megalomaniacs and we will believe you <laughs> so i had this weird thought after our podcast um just to catch people up and i think i sent i think i sent you literally while i was driving jamming out to your original work um three text messages and the first one i sent and didn't realize there was like a character limit on text messages and i was just fucking like talking and like trying to explain this abstract idea and you replied and I think you were able to wrap it up in like five words, which is like, sounds fucking awesome. Cool. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you were talk texting while texting while driving. But I, I, my reply was, was yes to all. I adore you. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. And so I listened to your music and it was neat because again, you've put out one album and I'm hoping you still don't, do you still check the AOL? email address that's on your um if you look it up in itunes Laura i Lee actually album. do and do i really? just got I, I do get me emails from time to time from people who have listened to my record i just got a really inspiring one like two days ago mm. unless that was you for the podcast <laughs> oh dude no but that might have been the burner account that i use so what i do is i go to my dark place and i log in in a separate one and then use these burner accounts so that i kind of have plausible deniability <laughs> okay, that um, makes sense. No, no, definitely wasn't me. But all right, so yeah, let me try to be better at this. So in 2004, you produced nine songs on your own album, and you had told the story on the last podcast. And I want to say you had sold, was it 20,000 where you and your mom are putting stickers on the CD? We stopped counting at 20,000, and that was probably about 10 years ago. Damn. So if you, I pulled it up in iTunes and I want to say it's probably just a picture of the CD sticker that's on there in 2004 with your email address, lauraleemusic at aol.com. And I immediately started giggling and thinking, was Laura Lee Music not available on hotmail.com? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember. I still have that email address and I still use it. Not it's not my primary email address, but I definitely still use it. It's like my my junk email. If I order something online and I ask for an email address, I just put that one in so that yeah. I don't have to have spam coming to my real email. Yeah, you're real. No, dude, I learned that so quick. I, yeah, I still have a Hotmail address that I do that with. Because again, That's funny. you're like, it just, blow, you get that whatever when you're a teenager, young, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. That's my email address forever. And then you realize like, you don't want that in life. Right. right. I think there are something like 67,000 and that's not an exaggerated number. I can send you a screenshot. 67,000 and some change unread emails on that account. So nice. I do check it from time to time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm jamming to the music tops down on the Jeep and I'm fucking voice texting. And I really wanted to kind of get to know the stories behind these nine tracks. Because again, if you've written them, you've produced the music um, and I'm into people telling stories about why they, why things happened. I was like, I kind of got to know. And your one best for last was about a song you had written that kind of encompassed a story. And like, I started putting all this together and I'm like, I think it would be neat to do like a VH1 kind of behind the music thing where you get to talk a little bit about your nine tracks and reminisce. Um, back in 2000, God, we're 2004. 
Now you're in 2020. Does it match up? Is the vision How did match I even up? have anything to write about in 2004? <laughs> yeah, man, that's a great point too. Think about that, right? I shouldn't ask how old you are, but 16 years ago, life experiences to write nine different songs about. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what I was writing about. <laughs> but uh, I'm 44 now, so um, I'm not really great at math. So whatever Just that means, I was in 2004. Yeah, mid 20s, man. Mid 20s. Yeah, that's plenty of life experience. Probably dealing with relational shit. Um, you don't have the child yet, right? So you're not with the mom angle. You're more maybe if I'm generalizing, like aspirational, bright-eyed, like the future is mine, I'm holding the world by the balls kind of a thing? I don't know if I've felt any of that ever in my life. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I felt that. Like I said, but I told you before, I'm, an, uh, I'm, I'm a realist, I'm less of an idealist, not a pessimist per se, but I'm definitely a realist. And uh, I'm not sure if I ever had that outlook. Maybe one day I will. Got you. Yeah, when you retire, then you'll be like, right. you know what? I figured this go. whole thing off, man. I figured it out. <laughs> there you go. All right. So first song is called, and it's actually, the more I listened to it, the more I was like, this might be my sneaky second favorite song. Um, <laughs> Chemical Whore. You rely on your act of contrition We all know you're just a chemical whore With your dye, your pills, your bleach, blonde hair And your nicotine addiction But darling, hide your secret child No one wants to know Lock your closet, girl, don't let those bones And I kind of like the message and I feel like I get it, but I don't know if I get it. So tell me a little bit about what went into um, you insulting chemical horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little bit about myself and it's a little bit about my sister. And I, and I know my sister like loves when I tell this story because um, she loves it and hates it because <laughs> the song isn't very complimentary. If you listen to the lyrics, definitely not. Um, but uh but yeah, it's just, it's about, it's about wanting attention and, and wanting to be the center of attention all the time and kind of, um, falling into habits that, that, that you might not have fallen into had you not been so desperate for attention. Mm. Um, it's about addiction. It's about, um, guilt and it's about, it's, it's just, it's just basically about coming up in a world where you are basically starved for attention. You don't get enough and you need it. And, um, sometimes that can be your addiction. Sometimes addiction can be a result of that being your addiction. Uh, so that's what, you know, chemical whore is about that. And it just basically all things chemical. You're addicted to dyeing your hair blonde. You're addicted to cigarettes. You're addicted to no dose. You're addicted to, um, I don't know, high C, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like just Clorox wipes. All that, right. All the things that make you stand out. Um, so I don't know. It's not really that profound. It's kind of, um, that the lyrics in that song are pretty transparent. I mean, I think. Right. 
but but yeah it was just sort of uh it was a dig at the time at my sister and she knows it and we worked through it and she's actually now um sober I think going on something like 10 years now sober clean and sober and a cancer survivor and killing at life and helping other people overcome their addictions and their um you know psychological emotional problems so she's killing at life now but at the time that i wrote the song uh it kind of it came a little bit too a little bit out of out of jealousy of her i was jealous of her uh because she was getting that attention and she was she was um garnering extra effort from my parents and stuff like that so um yeah it kind of came out of a little bit of jealousy towards her too but it's also about myself because some of the things that i cite in there are, are i'm guilty of of doing as well um i don't i fortunately not that i know of have any problems with addiction at this to, at this point but you know the, the being starved for attention and, and just trying to one-up um my siblings in order to get that attention you know so that's what chemical whore is about I completely did not think I got the vibe when I listened to it and I thought it was you kind of um, almost going at like other singers or artists or performers who will do things that maybe are a little inauthentic to get that attention, right? Or like to, or you're selling yourself out to get that addiction fed. I had no idea that um, a little bit of sibling rivalry that uh, spurred it. You know what? And and you may, you bring up a really good point, Sean. Very often. When, please say that. When, you know, another great point brought up by you, Sean, is kind of how <laughs> I like to have that referred. No, another kidding. excellent point <laughs> a made by observation. you. <laughs> uh, they, when I write a song, so I write for my own self. When I write a song, it's because I have an emotion or a thought or something banging around in my head like ricochet and every crash it makes puts another bruise on my brain and i gotta get it out i gotta Mm. get it out and the way that i get that out is i write a song or even just lyrics or uh you know poem when i was 17 i'm really into poetry dude you know (laughs) whatever it was you know i I would i would write it out and if if music came with it awesome if it didn't it sits there and one day maybe i'll you know i'll have a a riff or something and i just throw lyrics at it and see if it sticks but um that's how that's my therapy that's how i get it out i could have turned too many things. I didn't hang with the best crowd. You know, my parents were amazing. They were good parents, but I, you know, just coming up, you could turn to, you could turn the wrong way. You could take the wrong path. And I truly, truly believe that music saved me from taking that path, which is ironic because sometimes you become a musician and you fall into all this drugs and stuff Mm. like that because you're in that life. But, uh, I did not. And I think music saved me from all that. Um, cause my sisters, both of them weren't as lucky. Um, but they're fine now, by the way. But, uh, the, my point that you made a good point is when I write music, it's for myself, my own therapy. Once I decide to, to perform that music and play it for other people or record it or put it on a CD or play it at a live show or even let someone else read something that I wrote or hear a riff that I, that I came up with. Once it's out there in that ether, then it becomes yours to do with whatever, whatever you, whatever it needs to mean to you, Gotcha. what it means. That's, that's what it means. And it's no longer mine. So I can tell you what inspired all of these songs inspired me to write them, but it's not really truly what they're about. Cause like in a, I don't want to sound too like, like I'm trying to be profound, but like they're about whatever you need them to be about when you hear them. Well, I I think that's the beauty of music, right? 
Um, I, right. I think, I'm not I think saying that's anything why... any other artist hasn't said yeah. before. Like, I'm not being like, this is, you know, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of artists feel the same way I do. I'm, I'm not, pretty, I'm, I'm not actually, so I've researched this. I actually believe every artist t- took that from you. I think you were the first on record <laughs> to say it, to be, uh, you sent I've it been in around a, long enough for a it for an email to someone, AOL, it was a direct <laughs> instant message actually that, um, <laughs> went with. <laughs> no, but I think like that, that, that's a great perspective because I hadn't thought about that. Like a lot of artists, I, I feel when they make create art, even if you think of paintings, they have a story that goes along with it. And if people fuck up the story, it can be kind of like an ego trip or even like a, was I not clear? What don't you fucking get? Like, I'm trying to be creative and express this thing, but you're almost like letting it go like a child walking and finding their own way. It's, um, it's, I, I hadn't exactly. heard that before, but it's neat to say like the song gets to be its own person. I, I raised it, I created it, but now it gets to be whatever it needs to be for all these people who listen to it. I think exactly. that's cool. You know, my parents were very strict. We were not allowed to watch MTV art, art, you know, TV and things like that were very restricted when we were growing up. They were very strict with us and we weren't allowed to watch MTV. So music videos, that that wasn't something that was really on my radar. Um, and I remember being, when I was old enough to like kind of sneak one in or watch one, or <laughs> I saw a music video to a song that I knew, you know, through and through, like I had actually learned to play that song. I'd learned to sing that song. I know that song and I know what that song is about. And then I see the video and I'm like, Oh, like I was disappointed. Like, mm. cause, because the first time I heard the song, I didn't see the video, you right. know, as, as most people back then, MTV was where you went to hear new music yeah. and the new music came along with the video. And that artist told you what their song was about. Right. And I didn't get that because I wasn't allowed to watch MTV. That was one of the band channels <laughs> in our house. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I'm, I used to hate my parents for it. I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I, you know, but I can't even like talk about music with my friends. Cause you know, and they were like, whatever. <laughs> but at the time, I thought they were so horrible and mean. But I'm so glad they did that because now I look back and, like, the last thing I want to do when I hear a song is look at the video. I don't – if it's an artist that means something to me – now, listen, if it's a song I'm learning for my cover band, like, whatever, YouTube it. And if I see the video, I'm fine with it. But if it's an artist that means something to me and they put something new out, I refused. I don't want to watch the video. I want to, I want to, I want that song to mean – I want that song to be mine. Like you gave it to me, let it be mine, you know? Dude, I've, I literally, again, literally never thought of that. And I'm sitting here thinking and it's Jesus. That's so true. Like, I mean, as soon as you see the music video, it just completely puts you in whatever category that artist wants you to be put in versus interpreting. Right. Yeah, exactly. I have a song that's not, and not to digress too far. It's not on that record, but the song is called let her go. And the lyrics are basically like, you know, you let her hurt you and I wanted to love you, but you would just never let her go. And, you know, I, I, I realize now that you'll never be mine because you always have her on your mind and I get it and blah, blah, blah. And when, when you're ready, I'm here. But until then, you need, you need to get over this girl, right? And that's what the song is about. But it's actually about, I had an experience that, that it's, it's about addiction. The person that I loved and wanted to marry was just kept choosing booze over me kept going back every time he would promise every time he promised it was Mm. he was done drinking i'd get back with him and and i never said you're not allowed to drink i just said please don't 
please don't be wasted to the point where you don't know where your car is. I don't know where you are. You know, it, it just, right. Yeah, and he that. just kept choosing booze over me. And so I wrote, let her go, let, let her go about that. And everybody who hears it thinks it's this sad song about a girl who like lost her man to his ex. And it's not, it's about a girl who's losing her man to addiction. Dude, how did you not put that on this album? I hadn't written. I hadn't written it yet. I hadn't oh. written it yet. I only. I only just wrote it. You know, um, it's it's one of my more recent ones. Got you. Got you. Yeah, that. Um, I, I. I like. I always like to person. I, I shouldn't say I always like to, but I. I it, it does feel when you're battling something that's like that you can't see when you personify it, it allows you to kind of have that victim to like battle it. Right. right. And, and, and I like that. Like, let her go. Like, quit fucking drinking. Right. Like, this, the drinking this, is her. This booze, this alcohol was this bitch that I couldn't shake. Like, right. she just came first every time. And no matter what I did, no matter how hard I tried to, like, turn his attention to me, I'd have his attention for a little while. But she always won in the end. And I hated her. I hated her. I was jealous of her. I was like, I'll never be enough. I'll never be as wonderful as this alcohol is for you. Mm. And it was hard. And so I wrote a song about it. And now I'm fine. <laughs> Do you, and here I go, but do you ever just want to put out singles like on Spotify or some shit? You know, I, I don't know why I never have. To be honest with you, Step I. Step it up. What my, are you doing? What else was this quarantine for, man? Well, Should have had like yeah, three new so singles my, out. My cover band life had, has, has taken over to a point where I was playing six, seven nights a week and my mm. voice just was never. I just didn't have the vocal strength to like go record for a full day because I had a show that night or I had just had a show the night before and I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And then quite honestly, when I had my daughter, I kind of just was like, just didn't have the time. I didn't, it just wasn't a priority and I don't really have a good excuse other than it just wasn't a priority. (laughs) I still write, I write all the time. I've you know, I probably have, I probably have a good 30, 35 songs that are like recording worthy, you know, studio worthy. I probably have another 30 or 35 that I would never want anyone to hear. (laughs) Um, But it's just for no other, I just hadn't, I just haven't had the time. Just didn't take priority to record them. Not, you know, to write them is, is always a priority, but to put them down to on, on record is just not ever been a priority because again, I write them for me. I don't write for other people. I write for myself. And if I had any brains in my head, would have recorded them and then i'd have some money right now when i'm quarantined and can't perform live yeah i, I don't want to uh, shame you but yes you should have. no i'm just kidding yeah no you're right you're right people tell me all the time you know i know there's a want for it like anyone who you know people ask me all the time are you ever going to do another record like have you written anything else and people want it i mean maybe four or five people in the world but it's people yeah <laughs> two of them are my parents but yeah. some people want it <laughs> As long as they keep downloading it, it they, um, Spotify won't know, right? <laughs> right? I guess it might. Different devices. You have to get them burner phones to download. No, I do have. I do have a resolution. It's on a New Year's resolution. It's like a quarantine resolution. I've got a. I've got a shelter in place resolution that, like, I'm going to prioritize recording. And now that I have the means to do it, because that was the other thing. My the studio that I work with, the engineer that I work with, who's also my drummer, he lives over an hour from me. Oh. Uh, so it was, it wasn't always convenient to get down there. But when this quarantine started, I maxed out a credit card and bought a bunch of, um, you know, I, I took his advice. He told me this stuff to get, I bought a bunch of gear so that I could record remotely oh, nice. and fly the tracks to him. So now I have no excuse other Got than you. 
I don't know, my leg hurts today, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that usually does keep people from singing. The leg hurts. I always say that. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm not, I'm not into it today. My leg hurts. I don't know where I got it from, but that's just my excuse. That's my fake excuse. My leg hurts. I won't be, I won't be there. My leg hurts. Just battling gout. This yeah. fucking And it's not gout. my leg hurts. Okay. It's my leg hurts. My leg. Yeah. <laughs> like my lady. My leg hurts oh. right now. So I appreciate you powering through for the podcast. And let me ask, <laughs> <laughs> um, why parents know MTV? They were just very strict. They didn't like, uh, I just, I guess they thought some of the videos were too racy or too Hella inappropriate. You know, this was the eighties. MTV had just come out. Right. My parents watched, I think one video and they were like, Nope. Fucking click. Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> nope. I remember my dad, I had, um, I was listening to a, oh God, Guns N' Roses. It was a Guns N' Roses mm. mixtape. Like someone had made me and it was a cassette tape and it wasn't labeled because it's all secret because I didn't want my parents to know I was listening to like metal, whatever. I know they're not metal, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess they're kind of right. metal for then, but yeah, yeah. I had, uh, what's that song called? Easy. And it's like, you got nothing for nothing. What would you do? Turn around, bitch. I got a use for you. Besides, you ain't got nothing better to do. And my dad just, well, I don't even know how he heard it. He just was like, like high C, uh, what's that guy? Hawaiian Punch guy? What the is that Kool-Aid guy? The Kool-Aid man. Yeah. Kool-Aid. There Fucking you go. Right I through the wall. every sugary soft drink ever known to man except the one that it is. The Kool-Aid man came through my door and was like, oh, and like with one hand, just like my dad's a big dude. He just like grabbed the tape thing out of my, he ripped the whole tape deck out of my boom box and was just like crunched it in his hand, like threw it on the ground. He's like, nope. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to get the two live crew record I was thinking about. Bootlegging. <laughs> Damn, my, my parents daughter. were very, very strict. They were very strict. They did not want. We went to Catholic school. We had. To, we went to church every Sunday. And this, it's funny. They were strict in stages. They were strict all through grade school. And then uh, in high school, I kind of went nuts, and they didn't know what to do with me because I became like this incredible terror that they just, you know, and so they, they, they backed off in high school. And then once I was kind of allowed to, I don't, not really, I shouldn't say they weren't as strict because I still had curfews. My curfew went back, <laughs> my curfew went back a half hour when I got my driver's license because I now had a car. They were still strict, but they just weren't as crazy with it. Right. Um, but it made me so stinking rebellious. Like, it was bad. That's always and the I fear, guess, right? I, yeah, and I guess they realized that, and they let up, and they weren't as strict with my youngest sister as they were with me and my younger sister. Yeah, so um, I was going to ask, does the rebellion connect to the, like, kind of the jealousy of the attention? Is that part of why you're thinking your sisters are getting the attention because you're, like, black sheep, rebellious, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I was actually getting all the attention because I was such an asshole to my parents <laughs> and my and my other sister who was like perfect, never got in trouble, never got, you know, she always had like, she was never being punished because she was, so, she saw what happened when, when he acted the way I acted. So she was like such a good, good, good kid all growing up. And then, like I said, as soon as we got to high school, we both kind of got a little crazy. Um, and just because it was just a whole different world, we weren't under the thumb of our right. crazy strict parents. And, uh, we both lost our minds a little bit and that kind of, for a while there, she and I were vying for, uh, like who's the crazier, 
one. He's the oh. he's the rowdier one. He's the more rebellious one. We were kind of neck and neck like that, and it was it was, it was really weird. It was weird. <laughs> we got in fist fights in school on the track team and the, with, with each other. Fist fights yeah, with right? each other. Because we, why? I because I didn't want her to show me up, and she oh. didn't want to live in my shadow, and uh, we just I don't know. We just would would go at it. I mean, I remember one time she. We found a fight on the track field and we had our little fisticuffs, like our little girl spat and she ran off and attacked like a vending machine, like a soda vending machine. And just, <laughs> she just mutilated this vending machine and her knuckles and fists, obviously in the process. But, you know, that was talked about for, for months or, you know, for the whole rest of that school year. Fortunately, she was a freshman when I was a senior. So before it got real bad, I graduated and she, you know, went on to be a sophomore. But Before she had that grown woman strength to really put you on her ass. <laughs> right. Well, she was big. She's 5'10". And she, not oh. big, like, you know, she was tall. Yeah, yeah. Very slim, very but very tall. She she had, you know, a good four inches on me. And uh, she would just drop to the ground and spin around. And I would wait for her to tire out and then I would jump on her. <laughs> the yeah, that's how we fight. <laughs> the rope of dope. Was was that the sister that you were kind of channeling with getting too much attention? With the... yes, oh. absolutely, yeah. Dude, that's Fortunately, kinda... I haven't had to write a song about my baby baby sister um, yet. <laughs> that's kind of interesting that the older kid would be a little jealous of the attention the younger kid's getting. Yeah, I was definitely, I was oh. definitely jealous of her. She because I was like. I had been in that school and had made my name there and I had like, listen, it was a Catholic school. I had records on the track team, but it's not because I was like any wonderful athlete. It's just that there was only like 12 of us on the team. <laughs> um, and before that, I think it was like, you know, four or three, but I, she came in and she beat my high jump record the first time she tried it. And oh. I was pissed off. I was really pissed off. No love you lost. Know? Yeah. And then, you know, she was, she joined the talent, she wanted to be in the talent show and I was like the family singer and I was like, you know, I don't know. I I just didn't want her showing me up. I was very jealous. I was very jealous. Gotcha. And what was, did she know when you wrote the song, are you talking to her? Like, Hey man, I got this song, chemical whore. You're the whore. Like when you got angry, (laughs) you're like throwing it in her face or she hears it and she's like, bitch, we need to talk. Like, I don't remember how I broke it to her that that was about her. I think I said it like out loud at a show she was at. <laughs> I said like, this is a song about my sister. It's called Chemical Whore. Did <laughs> she bum rush the stage? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. But I do. Honestly, like it's a funny joke between us. I she has told me before that she's like proud of it. She thinks it's, she thinks it's really cool. And that she likes when I say that it's about her, like it's a kind of a tongue in cheek joke, you know, and we've worked it out. We're totally cool now. Is it also like her IG handle? If people want to look her up <laughs> like no. at chemical whore. That's so funny. No. <laughs> I might make it mine. Could, could you get that as a vanity tag? She right? is actually sober cancer bride, which is like such a better, like how badass is that? handle? Yeah. <laughs> No, that's a she good had a blog and she, uh, yeah, that was, that's a much better one than chemical whore in my opinion. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to own the positivity for sure. <laughs> she does. <laughs> All right. So, um, I did not, I don't know. I don't know if I like, I suck at hosting or keeping things moving, but i really enjoy these little tidbits. Um, but I'll timestamp all this shit. So if people want to jump around, they can. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll keep it, you know, shorter. I don't know. The first one in. I don't know if you have to, cause that's like, who fucking knew? Like she comes out on the track field and 
hits the high jump record and like it's fucking leading to fist fights and like Jesus, so pissed. that's I was awesome. So pissed. The anger so pissed because dude, like when you when I listen to the music, I'm like, you're such a sweet, sensitive, introverted person. Oh, I'm like, of course you beat the high jump record. You're a goddamn half a foot taller than me. <laughs> and then that comes out in like a folky song. That's that, that's hilarious <laughs> to me. Hilarious. Right. All right. Um, in the storm. Talk to me about In the Storm. Once again, the sky is bleeding. Low growl rumbling through my veins. White heat tears into the night, quick and fleeting. Igniting a memory for every drop of rain. And I remember lying on the boarding board. Waiting for the clouds above to crack. When nothing mattered but how loud the thunder roared. And the sky's rage was but the splinters in my back. So when the sun disappears and the wind whips my ears, I won't be where it's safe anymore. You will find me with my arms outstretched in the driving rain as I catch every drop of you in the storm. Every drop of you in the storm. All right, so In the Storm is directly about uh, my childhood and about my cousin who I lost to a drug overdose. He was 21 years old. Oh, my God. At the time, and I was 22 or 23. I'm only, yeah, I'm only a year or two older than him. Um, so, yeah, he he uh, he, he battled obviously with slight. It, when I say slight addiction, he had just kind of started getting into it. Um, and I don't know what happened. He overdosed, or he had a bad. Um, it's, I think officially it was like a bad reaction with some other medication he was taking because he had some other problems. Um, and he snorted a line of heroin and it killed him instantly. So, um, on that day, I, I, I used to sing the national anthem for the wings, the Philadelphia wings, uh, lacrosse team, pro lacrosse team. And I had been doing a few seasons and that day they asked me to do a flyers game because their normal anthemist um, was a, she had, was battling cancer at the time and she couldn't, um, she couldn't make the game. So they asked me to fill in. And so I was like, hell yeah. I left work early. I called my dad, said they'd give me one ticket. It was a playoff game. It was a flyers playoff game. Holy called, shit. Opportunity. Called, called my dad. What's that? I'm just thinking like, holy shit. Opportunity. Yeah, it was literally right? the best at that point. It was literally the best and worst day in my life because of those two things that happened. So I called my father. Oh my they gave me tickets. I said, Daddy, guess what? Like, do you want to go to a Flyers game tonight? And he was so hesitant, and I didn't understand it. He was like, well, um, I'm like, Dad, it's Flyers playoffs, and I'm going to sing the national anthem. And he's like, oh, Lar, you know, and I was, I could not understand. I was baffled by his right? hesitation. So finally he goes, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go. I'll meet you at your house. I said, okay. I hung oh, up the phone. This sweet man. So he, he didn't break the news to you. He knew and he didn't break the news to you. 
Right. It had just, oh my God. it had just happened. So oh my God. I'm on my way home from work to get changed into my gear to go sing the national anthem at a Flyers playoff game. And my mom calls me back and she's like, Hey, Laura. So yeah, she's like, uh, why don't you come home? I go, well, dad's going to meet me. She goes, no, 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 no. This is, this is something else. Come, I need you to come home right now. And I'm like, home, like to your house. And she's like, yes, come home to, you know, her house where she lived. And I said, I said, all right, I'll, I'll be there. So I'm, I'm looking at the clock and I'm going, do I have time to drive all the way there? And get, so I'm thinking, well, maybe my dad can't drive. Like maybe, maybe my dad was like, had some beers and was drinking. <laughs> and couldn't, you know, I don't know. Right. And, um, as I'm getting closer to my house, realization setting in, I'm thinking, oh, you know what? Something happened to my grandma. Something's then, then my dad's hesitation started to make sense. And I said, right. you know, as I'm pulling up to my mom's driveway and I saw my parents standing outside waiting for me, I said to myself, I know that something that they're going to tell me is going to change my life forever. I know that my life, when I leave here, my life will never be the same. It will not be the same as it is right now pulling into this driveway. And I remember having that thought and I got out of my car and my mom said, um, you know, your uncle today. And as soon as she said, your uncle, I like the world started spinning. Cause I thought, Oh God, something happened to my uncle. This is my, my godparents, very, very close with them. I was, you know, we were all raised together. My cousins and my sisters and I were raised like siblings. My godparents were like a second set of parents. We were all raised very, very close. So she said, your uncle, you know, went in the garage and found David. And I was like, found David. And mm. Everything's spinning. And I, I yeah. next thing I remember is my dad is carrying me into the living room because I guess I had like fainted or collapsed. But they said, you know, they've recapped the story. They said, you know, they, they found David. He had died. It looks like a drug overdose. We're not sure. We don't know anything yet. Um, they didn't even tell. They hadn't even told my aunt yet at that point. My aunt didn't even know. My aunt was still at work. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, all right. So that's just got super heavy. But anyway, <laughs> that song in the storm, the first line is, once again, um, the sky's bleeding. The low growl rumbles through my veins because when we were kids, my aunt and uncle had a sun deck. They had a big pool. We used to be there every day swimming. We lived there in the summer. My aunt and uncle had a sun deck and we used to lie on the deck and watch thunderstorms. There was an mm. awning. So technically it was <laughs> not. Technically we thought we were safe because the lightning would strike the awning before. And that's why we would lie flat on the deck. Yeah. And we would watch thunderstorms. It was like literally, it was like our favorite thing to do. Like it, it would be sunny. It'd be like that. That's amazing. I'm so excited. It's sunny because we're gonna swim. But like when it would start to like get dark and stormy, we would be like, yes, and we'd like <laughs> run to the sunroom, you know. So I make a reference about the sky's rage was worth the splinters in my back because there were actually times where I remember my aunt like sitting behind me and like plucking splinters out of our backs because we, oh, wow. you know, we were just like, you know, laying on this deck, this old rickety sun deck watching, watching storms. Um, on the day that we buried him, it was a beautiful day. It was in April. It was, uh, he died on Holy Thursday. We buried him on Holy Friday. I think that's the way I don't, it's so blurry now. It's weird that I don't remember these details. It's been exactly 20 years. Oh my, um, wow. uh, the day of his funeral, it was very, very private. It was just family <clears throat> and it was a beautiful day. It was sunny. And I remember being angry because it was so beautiful out. And I was like, it can't be a beautiful day. Like this cannot be a beautiful day. It's not fair. And, um, we were all back at the house later just, you know, eating or whatever you do after funerals. And I'm telling you this storm rolled in 
it was like out of nowhere. There was no forecast for it. You can look it up in the farmer's almanac, whatever you want to, <laughs> April, you know, 15th, 2000, year 2000. The storm just rolled in. And I mean, the sky went black and it was just angry, like thunder, lightning. And my co- my other cousin, his brother, his older brother, my other cousin, my sister, my aunt, all of us, we just went outside and just like got drenched in that storm because it was so perfect for the moment you know it just was like it just felt right cleansing and so that's what in the storm is about and that that song actually got that song actually got rewritten a few times it was first called dandelion um because you know we used to say he was like a dandelion like strong as a weed you couldn't you couldn't knock him down like he was just he just kept coming back and he was a pain in the ass and he did not take no for an answer but at the same time he could turn into this puff that one, you know, harsh breath and he's just shattered in pieces and just fl- oh, would fly yeah. everywhere. And that would, that described him so well as a person. And so the first draft of that song, the first version of that song uh, was, was called Dandelion, but I realized, uh, and I recorded it and I have a version of it. But <laughs> uh, At the time, my younger sister was a big Mariah Carey fan okay. and I, I, I played the song for a few people and someone was like, Hey, isn't that this, isn't that the same song as this? I think it's, I can't remember the name of the song. I think it's like rainbows or something. Brian Mariah, Mariah Carey. And I was like, what do you mean? And I listened to it. It was like identical. So I must've heard oh. it. Like I must've heard it playing and like copied it without realizing it. Right. And I was like, okay, I need to rewrite this. So I uh, rewrote the song, made it my actual song without <laughs> copyright infringement <laughs> and uh change some of the words around the words didn't have anything to do with the mariah carey song but they just didn't i don't know this didn't fit the music the new music if that makes sense yeah. it didn't fit the new music so um yeah so there that's that's what in the storm is about that it's 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 about my childhood and watching storms and then the day that we buried him that that incredible storm that rolled over that we just were able to experience and it just sort of felt like him saying goodbye you know in his weird way, because he was a weird dude. <laughs> how, God, how do his parents react to it? Can they even listen to it? Or is it something like they haven't even heard because. So they have the original version um, called Dandelion. And they also have this version and they have a playlist. This is so sweet. They have a playlist um, of like, uh, you know, a couple hundred songs that they play. One of them's uh, cherished by Madonna because we used to sing that with harmonies together. <laughs> uh, one of them's Toy Soldiers, uh, Martika, because that was one of his favorite songs. He loved Creed. Oh, so man. they have a playlist um, of all his songs that he loved. He loved Metallica. So they have a playlist. And my my two, my two original version of that song and, and the um, final version in the storm is, is on that uh, playlist and it's it's kind of adorable because my aunt and uncle now are you know in their 60s and they're in the you know they're listening to creed and metallica i know and, i was just know. thinking about that God. yeah so they they play it on his birthday and on his on the date of his death which is uh april 13th so they play that <clears throat> playlist but yeah that song is on there actually another song on the record is on there it's called still alive
six shades of dawn Shut out the dawn and everything everywhere Everyone else The plans are all dead Goldfish unfed You miss your time with the fans on Ice cream chuck bells and Well, there you ain't Been curls till you sleep You ain't getting, you ain't getting out of bed today But you can't Stare down the sun Cause it'll burn through your pain And rise anyway And you're right It's not fair But you're going nowhere About your hell If you don't realize That it's done And no one's gonna shake you awake You're the only one Who can open your eyes You're still alive You're still alive Um, not to jump ahead, but Still Alive is a song that I wrote to my aunt and uncle, basically to my aunt who was obviously in a very bad way, still is. I mean, I don't know how she, I don't know how she gets through every day. Now that having my own child, I cannot, I yeah. don't know how she, I don't know how they get through. I don't, I still, 20 years later, I don't know how they get through because it's hard for me still. He was my cousin and it was 20 years ago, you know? Dude, I'm, um, that's exactly where my mind went to the just what the what a parent would go through to the the guilt to the helplessness to the anger like the the full fucking gamut and it's almost in my head i almost feel like god do you even want to remember to then fucking think about all the shit you're missing out on you yeah know, like, I, I i can't i it, it's so hard to empathize with unless you've experienced because i i, I can't fucking imagine yeah, and it, it led to a lot of irrational fears of when I did have my own child. It led to a lot of irrational fears, which I'm sure oh. every new mother goes through. But I was just, I guess it was it was heightened for me because I mean, I had harp. I remember a dream where I woke up in a hospital room and my parents were there. And my dad and mom rushed to my side that she's awake, she's awake. And I went to grab my dad's arm and I looked down and my fingers were completely ma like mangled, like not even, they were just burnt to a crisp, like no fingers. And I was like, what, what happened to me? And I'm like, where's, where's AJ, my, my daughter, and where's AJ? And my mom's like, Harry, you have to tell her that's my dad's name. And he's like, listen, there was an accident and you know, you've been out for a long time. And I said, well, where, where is she? Where is she? And then when I went, I looked down on my hands again and I saw them, they were on fire. And then I was in the car in the front seat and the baby was in the back seat in her car seat. Holy and shit. there was a fire next to her. And I was trying to unclasp her car seat, but my hands were burnt and broken and I, they wouldn't work. I couldn't unclasp her. And then I was back in the hospital room again and I realized, and my, and my mom was like, you know, she didn't, she didn't make it. And I was like, where oh is God. she? Where is she? And my dad was like, Laura, calm down. And I just started screaming. Why didn't, why didn't you let me die? Why didn't you let me die? You shouldn't have pulled me out of the wreck. I should have died with her. And I woke up screaming that like, it was awful, right? awful, awful dream. But I feel like it comes from me, like seeing my aunt and uncle go through losing a child. Like I, it is such an unimaginable fear like a, a not yeah. an unimaginable fear. it's unimaginable Event? unimaginable sorrow like i can't yeah. even i hope like i would hope for death you know i would hope for death and i can't imagine how my unit gets through it every day which is like i said why i wrote 
still alive. Like I would, I, you know, that's what that song's about. So. Yeah. Well, no, talk, talk about it a little more. You don't have to, we don't have to go in order, man. Fuck. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, yeah, so absolutely. Like now, like, cause she, like, again, though, though, to, to create that play playlist and to, uh, this is where my mind goes to embrace all those fucking emotions that have to come with this t- t- tells me there's some strong ass people to, to be functional with it. Right. She, she is so, and she and my uncle, like they're both so incredibly strong to have not only gotten through this, but to have stayed together right? through all this, you know, oh, and fuck yeah. my cousin, my older cousin, Michael, who, who um is was david's older brother uh he had cancer at the age of 19 oh my God. uh they gave him two percent chance of living they told him at the time that he was diagnosed he had lymphoma and it was in his liver and they said chemo will only prolong your death it will only make it harder and more painful that you should just you should just let this you know take you he was 19 when they told him that and he said no i i'll take it let me try chemo and um, miraculously, he was able through chemo to reduce the tumor in size by like 60%. They were able to go in because thank God the liver is regenerative right. tissue. They were, they were able to go in and get that tumor out and, uh, he survived and he didn't even get a liver transplant. He's, he's 45 or 46. He just turned 46. Um, he's, uh, no, I'm sorry. He'll be 46 in September. Oh my God. I'm so bad with our ages. We're 15 months apart. I'm 44. Man, we're still in 2004. Don't worry about those ages. <laughs> <laughs> he survived. He's in his forties. Let's say that he's in his forties, a little older than me. And he, he's got two little girls. They're adopted because the chemo um, rendered him sterile, but he's got two little girls. He's married. Like he's living his best life. And so for my, my aunt to have gone through all that with him. And then so shortly later, you know, his, his 21st birthday, my, my uncle, my uncle, my cousin who had cancer, his, on his 21st birthday, he was in the hospital having that surgery to remove the tumor. And on, on his little brother's 21st birthday, um, he was, you know, he had turned 21 and everything. And then he died, you know, just a few months later, four, you know, four months later, four or five months later, he was, he was gone. So, um, for my aunt and uncle to have been through what a fucking roller coaster, man, like how high are you living and appreciative of life when you're one son, like you're kind of granted that like second chance, right? Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. You couldn't write a fucking story like that, dude. Like you couldn't write that. No. Right. It's like, but not like too much tragedy to happen. It sounds like some kind of weird, you know, desperate housewives episode or something. It's like yeah. too much tragedy for one family. And I mean, I know that there are other families that have more tragedies than that. I know it, but just, That's and it's not even my immediate household. This is my aunt and uncle and yeah. my cousins were talking about. It's not even like my brothers and sisters and stuff, but, um, but no, I always look to them as like the most incredibly strong people because I know how hard it is to stay together with someone when, you know, you, you have a hangnail. You know, you're miserable and, and, and irritable and get out of my fucking face. Like, can you imagine having lost a child? Like, you know, I I can't even, and I write that to them every year in their anniversary card. I just, I just tell them how, you know, obviously I'm a writer, so I get super sappy and all my cards are, you know, paragraphs long, but you know what I learned? My aunt, um, who's very, she's very stoic. She's not, she's not an emotional person. She's not. I don't want to say she's not a warm person because that sounds like I'm saying something negative, but she's just, she's a very matter of fact. Right. She's 
really, really smart. She's a highly intelligent woman. And she's just very, you know, there's that realist thing that I talk about. She is a realist, you know, yeah. and she is a no bullshit kind of woman and um, not overly sentimental. Um, and I found out just recently, just a few years ago, that she has saved. She saved every card I ever mm-hmm. gave her. Like she saved all of her Mother's Day cards from me. She saved all of her anniversary cards from me. Since David died, I've always sent her a birthday card on his birthday. And on the day of his death, I always send her just a, hey, I'm thinking about you today. Right. And I just found out recently that she has saved all of them. I think um, my my cousin told me. My cousin was like, oh, yeah, that goes in her pile of cards. And I was like, pile of cards? He's like, yeah, her pile of cards from you. He knew she saves them, right? And I was like, no, I have no idea. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, she saves them and she writes in her journal, like the, you know, the things that you say to her when you come visit on the day, on David's birthday and death day. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know that about her. She would never tell me that, you know? God, that, but it, it just goes, it, it just, <laughs> to me, I hear that. And it's like, it goes to show how much support means to people who are grieving, not just at the time, but as they continue to deal with it. Throughout, because, yeah. 20 years later. I mean, yeah. I know for me, I don't miss him any less. I know for me, listen, am I going to sit here and say, I think about David every single day? Probably not. I mean, I'm sure he pops into my mind, you know, very often, but it might not be every single day. I know that she thinks about him every oh, yeah. day, more than once every day. It's never, ever going to be different for her. And I know that. And I can't even imagine that pain. Yeah, I, it's, so the still alive song and you almost feel like a schmuck trying to like connect it to things, but I'm interested the still alive, your hope was to inspire or was this more therapy for you? Cause you've brought up, you know, this is how I deal with my emotions. So I'm kind of interested, like, did you write this to inspire thinking of someone else's emotions? That's a good question. So she, she didn't know I wrote it about her or to her until years and years later. I didn't present it to her as such, like years and years later, probably 10, eight or nine, maybe 10 years ago, I I finally said, Hey, you know, on my record, I have a song called still alive. You know that I wrote that for you. Like I wasn't ready to tell her yet that it was for her. Cause it's kind of, it's a little jarring. If you listen to the lyrics, it's kind of, my aunt went to a very dark place for obvious reasons. And, um, I actually moved in there. I moved in with my aunt and uncle um, to save, to save, I wanted to buy a house. So just, it was for a lot of reasons to save money and to, to get my act together so I could buy myself a house. And, um, but it was also just to be closer, to be near her because my uncle um, worked a lot and she was still working. She, she was a nurse practitioner. So she had crazy hours, but I just, she was in a really, really dark place. And I kind of just wanted to be with her around her all the time, you know, just just because she just wasn't, she was really, really sad. Um, I think people can, if if you're close to people, you can kind of sense when they just need someone to be. And and, and it's a, it's a stupid, um, it's a stupid analogy that I'm not trying to belittle, but like, it's almost like dogs have this amazing sense of when, especially like we have a Labrador, like they just know if you're having a shitty day, they're like they'll come and lay and they'll just let you fucking snuggle with them. And it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And and like I, I feel like you you're so in tune with these kind of things. Like if you're getting this feeling of, you know, I'm just fucking needed. And like I, I think that's awesome that you're hey man. It was they just that's a really good point. And it and it actually might have something to do with that, but it was more about my need 
to be with her than it was about her need. Because I, I don't know if she needed me to be there, but I, but I needed to be there to make sure she was okay. Do you know what I mean? Like it was more about my, I was worried for her. I didn't know how far she was going to take this despair. I didn't know how far she was going to take this, this utter sorrow, you know? And I, and I, for my own, I wanted to protect her for my own needs. I wanted to be there. I don't know if she needed me or not, but I, I needed to be there, you know? Gotcha. Um, but you know, and I, I lived there for about a year and a half. I saved up money and, uh, you know, and, and I, I was supposed to be a year, but I stayed longer. Than I, should have. <laughs> I was just so comfortable there. It was so wonderful. She cooked me meals all the time. And, uh, you know, it was, it was great. I came in one as I pleased. I had my own little room and they had a, they have a beautiful house. So it was kind of wonderful. Um, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> um, but you know, it was time and my birth, my, I think it was a mother's day present. Yeah. Cause her birthday is in October. It was a mother's day present. Her mother's day present. I gave her back the key to her house. <laughs> I was like, I'm, You're welcome. I'm leaving. Finally. <laughs> you fucking cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> That's- but yeah, so still alive is kind of like, she didn't know that I had written it about her until, I mean, I, relatively recently because I wasn't sure how she'd take it because it's kind of like, you know, the lyrics are like thick shades are drawn to shut out the dawn, everyone, everywhere, everything else. Um, it's it's kind of like, I didn't want her to take it like negatively. I didn't want her mm. to look at it like I was criticizing her in any way, if that makes any sense. You know, I don't, I don't oh, know if you're that familiar with the lyrics, but it's kind of just like, hey, get up, like the world's going on. Like, I'm not telling you to get over it, but you know, you're still alive. Like you didn't die. You're still here. And we, other people need you. Like Mm. we need you, you know? So we need you to be okay. And that's what that song's about. But I didn't tell her till, like I said, later that I had written it about her because I wasn't sure how she'd take it. Right. (laughs) But apparently she took it well because it's on the playlist of (sighs) songs that she plays on David's birth and death days. So, and I think people can get so far into their grief that, they they can forget that there are like everything isn't lost though it feels like everything is lost right and, well and, it's, it also can feel like no, yeah you know everything isn't lost like you know just one thing is lost but like all the other things that aren't lost you don't get fucking give a fuck about. yeah because they don't add up right they're fucking right. decimals we're talking pennies right i just fucking lost my fortune and we're talking about pennies exactly but at the right. same time people don't look at you as pennies. So like people don't feel like pennies. People all feel like fortunes, right? So you have all these other people who are depending on you. You have relationships with, um, I, I, I don't, but that's God, that that's awesome. I, I didn't, I completely did not. I, I didn't expect that kind of empowerment to come. Um, when you started going down the road. Well, you know, speaking of empowerment, I mentioned an email that I had just gotten recently. Um, a medically, um, how, how do you put it? He is a medically retired or medically, I can't remember the wording, but he's an infantryman and he served in the military, he served in the army from 2005 to 2015. And he wrote me out of the blue. He just said, he, he, he addressed it, ma'am, oh. in my email. He, he wrote ma'am. And I was like, oh, wow. He's like, I just, I, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I don't, I don't remember word for word, but he said, I just want you to know that um, I, you know, as a, and he introduced himself as an infantryman and he was medically, I can't remember the, the term that he used, but medically discharged. 
Maybe. Yeah, that could be it. That sounds kind of right. Uh, but he said, <laughs> I just want you to know that, you know, through my years of service for this country uh, and, and then the following, you know, what I'm doing with my life now, I've been in some really dark places, you know, in reality and in my head. And I want you to know that your song still alive, um, you know, really touched me, like really touched my soul. And it, it means, it means everything to me. And I just wanted to thank you for writing it. And, Holy you know, I, I, and it was just like, so, and I wrote back like, wow, like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know what to say, but from time to time I do get those letters and they just, they turn my world upside down because I forget that like, so, like something I wrote could mean anything to someone else to me is so baffling if if i'm in a crowd and I'm, I'm i'm playing a song that i wrote and there are people even if it's only two people or one person singing along to lyrics like i wrote i will never get used to that i still don't ever get used to that the whole room could be singing it and i can't i or one person can be singing it or no one's singing it and they're staring at me like i don't know this song but i can kind of <laughs> dig it so i'm gonna nod my head a little bit like i can't even believe anyone will listen let alone know the words let alone have it mean something little and reach out and write to me, you know, 16 years later yeah. or however, whenever he heard it, I don't know when he heard it for the first time, but the, he, 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 I, he followed up my follow up with, you know, what this song means to me is we, as you know, people who died for the country and, and, and people who make the ultimate sacrifice and make these huge sacrifices, like we come back and we feel I don't want to put words in his mouth, I don't, but I'm just trying to paraphrase the sentiment of the letter. Yeah. Basically, like we come back over here and we feel maybe we're not needed or we feel useless or, or what we did was all for naught. And the song, your, the, you know, your song still alive, you know, means to me, you know, that we are, we are, we are still needed. We, our lives still do matter. Like we're still alive. Like we're still here. We do have something more to give. And I just, obviously it just started bawling, crying. I couldn't <laughs> even answer the guy. Cause I was like, Oh my God. Like I never thought it could mean something like that to someone else, you know? Right. And it, it was just, I'll just for your, I mean, if you want, I'll copy you on it. He actually told me, he's like, if you ever, if you want to share this, cause I was like, these words are so beautiful. Like that you're, I don't even know how to answer. Like I'm sobbing right now. <laughs> and he's like, well, feel free to just share it if you want. So he did give me permission to share it. I didn't post it or anything. Cause that feels super pompous and weird. Like, right. but if you ever wanted to read it just for your own, I would just forward it to you if you were interested in reading it. But I mean, it was just so beautiful what he wrote. I can't do it justice, but yeah, so those kind of things when they hit me, you know, it's not like every day, but it's not even every week. It's like once in a while, someone will write me something yeah. that meant something to them. I had a girl write me that her uh, brother had been in a horrible accident, and I think it was the same song, yeah, Still Alive, um, you know, gave him perspective, and she actually said, like, that he he said that he would have committed suicide if it weren't for that song. Wow. So if the, things like that are just mind blowing. Obviously you can't even like did literally did something I wrote in a notebook, like literally save somebody's life. Like, is that really true? I wouldn't want to be so pompous as to believe right. that, but yeah, but the that's arrogance what she told me, you know, arrogant. Yeah, there you go. That's no, no, no. But uh, I wasn't trying to overplay your word, but I'm, I'm like agreeing with you because I don't, it's pretty fucking clear, man. I, I was expecting in my head, I'm like, oh, maybe five minutes a song because it's not really that like deep or what. Like the depth that you go to emotionally for each of these songs it is not meant to save a life. It's meant for you to express yourself. And the fact that like it's doing that shit, it, it's awesome that you would take – you're not writing it to be like, this is the deepest song in the world. 
and I will save exactly. Cambodia with it and people will stop polluting. Like you don't go through that, but the impact that it has is because it's coming from, it means that much to you, right? Like it's almost exactly. like saving your life. Therefore it's coming through and saving others or impacting others. Exactly. I do this for me, like selfishly. Yeah. I don't expect it to actually help someone or even if it helps someone have like a nice day, you know, <laughs> like I, I told you in the last podcast, I mentioned the song, this is mine. Those lyrics are trite and those lyrics are meant to be trite because I wrote it literally about that. Like, this is mine. Yeah. I do this for me, you know, and that song is exactly about all of this that we're talking about. Of course, it's not on that recording, so I don't know why I just jumped to it. Well, I, I didn't want to bring it up, but I was kind of pissed, and it made me go back, and I was like, did I not remember? Did, did I write this wrong? Like, I completely expected to hear that song on here, um, and I didn't. No, I hadn't written it yet. Gotcha. But I do have a copy of it if you want me to send it to you. I have that and Let Her Go. <clears throat> I have copies of those songs if you want me to send them to you. They're not copyrighted yet, but I can send them. Oh, yeah, then you. absolutely send them to me fucking flip that shit i'm i'm, I'm sure going will. old school we'll get napster <laughs> with it try to make money with it no nah. um so i and, mailed myself a tape of it for what reason just to say no i'm kidding in the last so in the last podcast <laughs> i told you when i was a kid i would make up songs on the piano and then play them into a tape recorder and then i would for mail you. myself yeah, yeah copies of the tape or tapes i thought that was copywriting i thought i thought that's where you were going for it but i wasn't <laughs> sure i was like is there some other thing that i don't know about no, I um, just, uh, I think I'm funnier than I am. Or maybe I'm just not as with it as I think I am. You know, you can <laughs> overlook stuff. Um, speaking of good times, <laughs> that was me trying to be funny again. Um, Please Tell Me Cheers is about like good times. inspired that song a comic uh called beetle bailey um i I read a comic strip when i used to get ready for school in the morning i would sit there and read the comic strips and on the the newspaper and eat my cereal and think about how i was gonna argue with my teachers and (laughs) be an asshole to everyone around me all day um so the comic was like the guy was drinking and he was sitting at the bar and the other one came up and he was like you know you can't drown your problems in alcohol and his reply was like, yeah, well, I like to keep them soaking wet or something like that. You know, it's just like a, a funny thing, you know, Right. and that's what inspired. So I wrote most of the lyrics to that song, Cheers, about being a drunk and being an alcoholic and being in bars when I was 17. 
um, which is crazy because, I mean, I was a perfect angel at 17 and, had never had, and had never actually even seen alcohol, let alone been drinking it every night with friends behind my car. But So you um, wrote that at 17 without the experience, <laughs> for real, for real. Yeah, I, I um, wow. well, you know, like I said, it was inspired by that comic, and I could glean obviously from the yeah. comic what it meant. And so, um, I, I, I rounded it out by the time I had written the rest of the songs. Like told, I told you before that 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 manager that had, um, wanted to fly me out to record all this stuff, these scratch tracks, was like, put together all your song ideas. And so I kind of scrambled to finish the songs that were unfinished, and Cheers was one of them. Um, so I had written most of the lyrics when I was seventeen, and just kind of like tweaked them to make more sense. When I was, I guess, 24, 23, 24. I don't remember how old I was when I actually, like, wrote it. Um, but it was, you know, it was much later. But, yeah, so Cheers is basically just about being someone who, you know, can't can't stop drinking, always finds himself back at the bar again. And, you know, no, I don't really drink at home, but because it's not about drinking. It's about being here and being drunk with you, you know. Um, and it's like at the end of the, end of the song, it's like instead of, um, fill my glass. I say raise your glass. Right. And um, and it was before the pink song raise your glass. It was years. Probably before pink was even born. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. So at the end of that song, I say raise your glass because it's kind of like it was meant to be like a crowd interactive. And I didn't even dream at that time that I would be playing it live anywhere in bars. Um, I didn't think I'd ever get the chance to play that live. I was just one of the songs that I wanted to throw on there because to show the guy that I had some material. You know. God. So, but yeah, that one's uh, that was on a lighter note, but that's more of a fun, like drinking interactive song. In, throughout the years, it's morphed into like, so when I say cheers, people throw their, you know, raise their glasses up and do a shot or do a chug of their drink. And then at some point, I don't know how it happened. Actually, I do know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. <laughs> I used to play every Monday night at this bar um, in Seattle City with, um, it was called the All Star Acoustic Jam. And I used to play, this will actually be, if I'm allowed to play, this will be my 20th year playing Mondays there. Oh, wow. Um, but I'm by wow. myself now and I'm daytime and I'm at the outside bar. But it started out with, you know, all the lead singers of the biggest bands at the time. Um, we would all play, you know, just, just jam together every Monday night. And it was huge. It was amazing. It was like we were packing the place in like we were making money. Hand It was crazy the money we were making back then as a four piece acoustic. Like it was ridiculous. But it was amazingly fun. And. It was kind of like very laid back. We were very unprofessional, started late every night, got all <laughs> wasted every time. You know, I was 30 beers in by the time I played my first song. So I was How many drinking. of those beers did you pay for, by the way? None. What's that? How many of the beers did you pay for? Oh, zero? literally zero. Nice. I think from, yeah, never. You know, now I would always throw like, you know, I actually pay, you know, probably 90, 100 bucks in tips every night because I would just keep throwing 20s on the bar. <laughs> but because uh, we played inside of the bar, like we played behind the bar. Oh, no uh, way. So like the bar was like a like a rectangular yeah, yeah. structure. And so inside of the bar, we played in between the bartenders and everything. So they would just be literally throwing booze at us. And we were just, uh, it was crazy. Um, it was fun though, I think, from what I can remember. I don't right. remember. But fun. one night I had my, my Bud Light, I used to drink Bud Light because I was sponsored by Bud Light at one point for a number of years. So I was just always made sure I had my Bud Light in my hand and I was drinking my Bud Light and I, somebody requested that song. They were like, cheers, cheers, do cheers. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I didn't have anywhere to put my beer down. Like I didn't, I didn't have like a, like, cause we weren't, it wasn't my turn yet. 
So usually when it comes to be my turn, like I would like bend down on the floor, put my beard, you know, it wasn't my turn yet. So I had my beer in my hand. So I put it on top of my head <laughs> and I played the whole song with it on top of my head. And the very, very, before the very last chorus, I stopped the song and took it off the top of my head and chugged it and just like <laughs> threw the bottle across the room and finished the song. And the place went friggin' bonkers. I bet. And did, and that was, oh my God, 20, Jesus, let me think, 19, it was probably 2005 or six. So 15 years later to this day, I still cannot get through that song without somebody putting uh, their, their, their drink on their head. In fact, that's how people request that song now. When I'm in a, when I'm in a bar and I see someone put their drink on top of their head, like that's how I know they're requesting that song. So it was like a stupid people trick. I don't know why I could or how I could do it, but for some reason I got really, and the first time I tried it, it worked and it just got really good at being able to play the entire song with a beer balanced on my head. And I would always chug. Then when I got pregnant, I had pinch chuggers. So I would still do the song with the beer on my head and I would pull a pinch chugger out of the crowd. So at the big <laughs> moment where I took the beer bottle off my head and chugged it, I would hand it to my pinch chugger and they would chug it, give me the bottle back and I'd throw it and then we'd finish the song. But yeah, that, that song became quote unquote famous for that reason, that beer on the head. <laughs> Jesus. I, I, oh my God. Like I sponsored by Bud Light to put a beer on your head and sing a song. Like that's just fucking that, that does. That, that's and the funny thing is, I don't even know if Bud Light or their reps ever knew that I did the beer on the head trick. I don't even know about that. That's fucking gangster, dude. That's that's fucking gangster. God. How do you like that the thing had to fucking fall once or twice on you and just you're drenched in no, beer I or never, never ever I'm not kidding. Come on, man. You can ask Come anyone on, I know Come I on, never man. ever Come dropped on, it. Man. Here's why. Here's on, why man. I'll tell you the trick. Because Magnet. if ever really? I let felt... me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Magnets. Oh. No, no, if ever, 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 I felt like it was going to drop. If ever it got wobbly, I would just immediately stop playing, grab it off my head and chug it and be like, I meant to do that. Oh, you can feel if it's going to get wobbly. Yeah, yeah. And there had to be a certain amount that it was full. So if somebody handed me their beer to put on my head, I'd be like, no, I need a new beer because you drink it just to the, so if you drink, like drink it past the neck, just yep. to where the bottle kind of widens. Listen up children. For some reason, it's easier to balance when you drink it just there. It's also oh. easier to chug because there are a few sips taken out of it. Gotcha. Um, and it's also better with like a beer that's been sitting for a minute because if it's ice cold, you get brain freeze and then you're trying to choke through the last course. <laughs> um, also trying to hold back the burps is is a skill. Listen, I'm, I'm a pro. I'm a pro. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, I, again, Jesus, this is why I love the excuse to listen to people. <laughs> um, fucking, I never, I never really thought, but that's also, so there was not like a particular part in the song where it's like an, um, what's it when a crescendo or whatever, where you're like building up to the beer chug. So if it's falling off your head, you can just grab it whenever. Right. Exactly. Got you. Got you. God, that's genius. Fucking genius. <laughs> and it was just born of, I, I didn't have anywhere to put my beer. Stunning. So I stuck it on my head. <laughs> Dude, that, that's gangster. Does it happen any other places other than that bar? Like, oh, will yeah, that happen absolutely. in Dewey? That's like a thing. Everywhere. It happens everywhere. It happens at weddings that I do. It happens everywhere. <laughs> I love it, dude. That's awesome. Because anyone who, like, anywhere I play, even if most of the crowd doesn't know me, there's a bartender there who knows me, or there's, uh, you know, any wedding I do. Like, we're not a wedding band. Right. Oh, we play. We play hundreds of weddings, but we're not, like, tip. So you wouldn't call my agency, ask for a wedding band, and my agency would be like, oh, how about Laura Lee and Chip Fabulous? Like, but 
you would call my agency and be like, I'm getting married. I want Laura Langer Fabulous. You know what I mean? So gotcha. we've done so many weddings. We do weddings all the time, but it's because people specifically request us. We're not, uh, we don't, you know, we do our, our regular show that we always do, which is why all grandmas always hate us. Um, but grandmas always hate you. What do you mean? <laughs> well, we just, we don't do any like Frank Sinatra or any of the standard oh, wedding songs. Gotcha, 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 you know, gotcha. we just do all our crazy rock songs and our, our pop punk and, you know, whatever we do, you know, we do what we do. And, uh, th- there's always some aunt going, how come you don't play anything we can dance to? And I'm like, well, well take it up with the bride. You know, right. she made the set list. She hired us. <laughs> Fucking um, mosh, moshing is dancing, bitch. Get in there. Yeah, exactly. We have done, <laughs> we've done, we've done Rage Against the Machine songs. We've done Eminem stuff. We've done, I've done all original weddings. Like it's crazy. Like, but listen, it's, it's your, you're the bride. It's your dad. Do whatever you say, girl, I'm yours. Like whatever you want, <laughs> I will play it. You know, I don't care what your aunt Brenda says. Yeah, that's so true. God, fuck you, Brenda. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's so, <laughs> that would be mean. <laughs> um, Brenda, you're a very also, nice lady. Just a uh, PSA for any brides. And this happens at every wedding. And I tell all of my brides this, do not seat the old people table directly in front of the band speakers because they oh, will complain Jesus. the entire time to anyone that will listen logistics. and to anyone who won't listen. It always comes down to logistics. Yeah. In the back. In the back it whatever. seems like for some reason they always put the old people table directly in front of the speakers of the band. And you're like, why make them leave early, man. Trying to get them out of yeah, there. Yeah. That's a good point. Get the fuck out. So we can get fun. to the rage songs. Exactly. I'm not trying to deal with your Sinatra shit. <laughs> Um, yeah. So now look at that organic segue. Um, all the old people are gone in the wedding. Track four, <laughs> gone. just a really I was feeling sad about how can I put this I was I was feeling sorry for myself to be honest with you I I was feeling sorry for myself I was I was thinking about I don't remember what what was the catalyst that got me in this funk but I was like man I just I had had all these chances had all these these opportunities, all these things, like all these things I could have done, all these, all these ways I could have gone. I was not happy in the relationship I was in at the time. And I was thinking about an ex and it just, I was just feeling sorry for myself, you know? And so gone is just about like, it was just a song about despair. 
I was like, everything's gone. Everything sucks. The whole world sucks. Everyone hates me. I hate myself. You know, it's just a, it's a typical feeling sorry for yourself type of song. And I'm not proud of that, but you know, I got a song out of it. If I had to write a song about it, it was a legit problem that I was having. So, you know, that's where that song came from. But I, I don't, I don't remember what the actual, I don't remember the event that caused that funk, but I was in a funk for like months. And again, that was another one of those songs that I just kind of threw music to. I had the lyrics <clears throat> pretty much all written out, but I had thrown the music together for it, <clears throat> excuse me, because the, um, because of that agent that, or that, that manager that wanted, wanted song ideas. So I wanted to show him that I could write under pressure or gotcha. put together a full song, you know. When you said missed out on chances, opportunities, you're sitting with the asshole, um, and you're like, man, I had three, like your brother would have been so much better to me than this, or your sister really <laughs> wanted me. Like, was it that, or was it also like career opportunity type things or like living opera? Like, man, I could have fucking yeah, moved to it Cali. Was, it was all encompassing self pity party. Like it was all encompassing. Like, you know, the part, the, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't with this guy, you know, my old apartment was so much better than this. And I moved <laughs> here for him. And, um, and if I didn't, you know, if I, if I didn't decide to become a musician, you know, I would be graduating college right now. Like all my friends are, and I feel stupid because I'm a big mm -hmm. dummy because I didn't go to college. You know, it was like that. And all them like, bitches all of... at the car dealership would be working for me. Yeah, I, was, I was just having like an existential, <laughs> like just exactly all the car dealership would be work <laughs> right if i had gone to college and i could have fired that bitch who was awful to me at the car dealership yeah it's like i it was just like a all-encompassing existential like failure moment and i was just i was just miserable and i had no reason to be that's that's the kicker here i had no reason to be i was beautiful i had no idea i was beautiful i had no idea i thought i was this ugly hideous piece of crap and I look back to these pictures and I'm like, how did I not know I looked like that? <laughs> like, why didn't someone tell me I looked like that? Like, Jesus, like, I, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but my God, when I was in my twenties, it was beautiful. So, and I thought I was hideous and I had, you know, I wasn't like rich or anything, but I had enough money to do with whatever I wanted because I didn't have any other responsibilities. Like I had a car payment and a half a rent payment. And that was pretty much it. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm broke all the time because I'm a musician and I hate these shoes. And <laughs> why do I have a snake with only one eye? <laughs> I had a snake the, with one eye. She okay, was, I thought I that was the tattoo story. Okay, so it was a snake with one eye. <laughs> no, it wasn't even like an innuendo. Like, I literally had a snake, like a reptile that had one eye. <clears throat> oh. Did you pluck the eye out? Like the, the one that not. was there? He came like to in me that movie? way. He okay. was like a like a rescue snake, I guess you'd call it. Damn, so you even were shitting on your handicapped snake yeah. in your moment of yeah. self-care. I was just I was miserable. I was just hating life. I was just unhappy. I was, I was I was unhappy and I was like, you know, those days you have and you're just like, everything sucks and why does this plate have to be blue? And God, right. of course there's only cap and crunch left. I really want to race Krispies and God, my life is awful. It was just like one of those things and you know <laughs> and that's what I wrote that song about. So Yeah it do you think that's just something like the, the twenties post college life all ahead of you? What the fuck do I do without like an actual 
schedule without like this weird responsibility that kids grow up for the first fucking what if you go to college 16 17 years of your life you're like always told where to be what to do how good you are like the ratings the grades and like you i don't know man you're like whatever mid-20s early 20s and you're like fuck it can be overwhelming do you think that's just a natural thing or do you think yeah i think i'm sure that's like a it's like an age thing like i'm i you know i even i still have those moments now though like i think i obviously don't let it affect me like i did then because everything was magnified everything mattered so much then you know things matter so much um now you're just like whatever dude like (laughs) okay i'll get over it but it's sort of like you get desensitized (laughs) to the horrible things that happen to you because you're like oh okay you know (laughs) is that what you're gonna throw at me now you know what i've been through yeah but yeah i think it does i think it is like an age thing like i was just like my life is meaningless. My choices were stupid. I, what do I even like, what's my purpose? I don't have a purpose. What am I even doing? What's my goal? Right. I don't even have any goal, you know? No. And I didn't, I was in my twenties singing other people's music for a living. And I thought, um, I said, I actually said these words. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> I remember being at a gig and, and a friend of mine said something about, I, something about being 30 or something. And I was like, fuck, well, if I'm still a singer in a cover band by the time I'm 30, just shoot me. <laughs> here I am, right? And here I am, 44 years old, still singer in a cover band. And I'm really glad nobody listened to that because I really don't want to be shot. <laughs> but yeah, I was so, not like I thought I was going to become something big, like I was going to be like some Britney Spears motherfucker or something like that. Like I, I didn't even have those aspirations. I just kind of like, I just thought like I would have done something meaningful with my life by then. Right. And I just sort of really didn't. <laughs> well, meaningful. Yeah. From the 20 year old perspective, man. Right, like, and no one knows what right. meaningful is, whether it's you're a fucking millionaire or you're like with Greenpeace and you're saving whales, you know, or you're like help building orphanages or taking down corporate greed. Like it's different for all the kids at that age, but right. I think there is something unique and it's just, Part of it too, because again, I'm what am I? I'm fucking. I'm 39 this summer, man. So I, I don't. This might surprise you. I don't hang out with as many early 20 year olds as you may. So right. I've been talking to a bunch on this podcast, and like Olivia, um, James, really intelligent, ambitious, creative people. Dude's a fucking engineer, and she's got like a a branding, marketing, photography business, and like they've experienced that. They've expressed that exact same thing, where they're like overwhelmed by the life ahead of them and, and they they feel fucking lost and inept. And you're like, I'm listening to them. I'm like, I don't think you guys realize how wise you are, how much you have going for you. But for some reason, it seems like that age, it, it just makes you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Know? And at the time <clears throat> I was the youngest around, I was the youngest, like I was very young on our scene, everybody on our scene. I use that term on our scene again, but I mean, I mean like the other cover bands I was playing with, the cover band that I was in, like they were all older. They were all in their late thirties or early forties. I had, I think my drummer at the time was 50. Wow. Everybody was older than me. Oh Jesus. I'm I'm just going back to you being like, if I'm ever 30 in a cover band, shoot me. I'm surprised he didn't throw his fucking drumstick at you or some shit. Well, I didn't say it to them. (laughs) (laughs) And I said singer in a cover band. It's like, drummers are okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um yeah but like I, I yeah i said that during a solo original show because i thought i was so super cool um and i remember the friend that i said it to too and he was he was like still laughs at me now to this day about saying that we still joke about it 
But at the time, everyone was older than me, including my boyfriend. At the time, my boyfriend was six or seven years older than me. And he had a son. And my drummer had a family. Like, everyone had families and stuff. Uh, and I did yeah. not, in no way was I like, I want a child or I want to be married. Like, in no way was I thinking about that stuff. Um, in fact, that's how I ended up with the guy I was with at the time. Because um, the guy before him, I had been with for four years. And he wanted to, he wanted to get married. And I was like, I'm 24. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want that. Like, no way. Um, if you want to stay together and not get married, like, we're cool. But, like, if you're going to start pushing marriage, like, bye. So I was no way, in no way, like pining for like some kind of domesticated home life. I wasn't that, but it was just, they had a meaning, like they had purpose. Like the most important thing to my boyfriend at the time was his son. And I was like jealous of that, not in the way that I wanted a son at all. I didn't want kids at all, but I was jealous that he had like a purpose, like something that he lived for. Like the reason he put money away, the reason he saved was so that he could buy clothes for his school, for his kid's school year. You know, and meanwhile, I'm like, well, what am I saving for? Like, <laughs> like you know, like, oh, I'm going to get a bigger tank for my one-eyed snake. Cool. <laughs> Good goal, Larley. Like, fuck you. Gone. So, yeah, that's what, that's gone. That's what gone was about. I was just feeling like a big old sorry for myself pity party type thing. <clears throat> Did not expect a one-eyed snake to be involved in that. What happens uh, you to never the one-eyed do. snake? You never do, but it creeps up. It creeps up on you, and sometimes you welcome it, and sometimes you don't, and uh, you just got to you got to roll with it when it when it appears. <laughs> what happened to the snake? Did, are you a flusher? Did you drop oh. it off in the wilderness? Um, oh my god, no! He, this is awful. Good. This is so awful. <laughs> like good. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> my oh god, this is kind of a long story. I'm going to try to say it quick. So. <laughs> He was a snake that ate, I, like I said, he was a rescuer. And I had another snake. My, my snakes were, uh, I used to feed them frozen mice, already frozen. I had a, I had a little little mouse pot that I would cook the mice in to thaw them. And that would give because <laughs> they had to be warm. And my snakes, because I, I had them from babies, would eat, the, would eat the dead rats or mice. Well, this guy came to me as a rescue. Someone was getting rid of him. He had one eye. He was into eating live rats. So I... <laughs> bought him i would have to buy him the live rats and i was trying to wean him to the dead rats so one day after a few months i finally was able to wean him he ate both the frozen dead rats and he didn't eat these two little baby live rats that didn't even have their eyes open <laughs> so i called the pet store and i was like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bring these little rats back my snake wouldn't eat them and they're like you can't bring them back like and i'm like why not and they're like well you know they've, they've been sold their feeder rats so you, we don't you, you can't bring them back so what do I do with them? And they're like, well, you can just flush them down the toilet. And I said, listen, I, it's one thing to let nature take its course. I don't even love snakes eating them in my face, but like whatever. But I'm not trying to drown something. So they were like, sorry, you don't know what to tell you. It's not a problem. Bye, click. They're like, take your one-eyed snake and go be weird somewhere else. So, so I'm going to pause here because immediately when you said I tried to return the little rats, I thought – I was like – what a fucking cheapskate. Like, you really need $3 that bad? <laughs> I, didn't want I wasn't returning them for the money. I just didn't yeah. know what to do with these little so, rats. Yeah, like, yeah. What am I so, going to do with them? So I totally feel better about you as a person now. And I feel bad <laughs> that I was judging you because at least you can't. No, it wasn't about that. Listen, I was a singer in a cover band with no responsibility. I was fucking rich. I had like 300 bucks in my checking account. That is rich at 20. When you're 24, that is fucking rich. I could buy any pair of sneakers I wanted. I could actually buy two pairs if I wanted to. Um, no like so so they said you can't you know so i looked online 
and I saw this uh, thing, mm. this post, this lady had, uh, had, or her cat had killed a rat and the baby rats were still there and they, she didn't know what to do. So I like read her story and followed her journey. So I went to the drugstore and I bought a little syringe and some formula and I nursed these rats and I put a little hot potato in a lunchbox for them Shut and the let them be warm. And I took them with me everywhere I went because that'd be sad like every hour. So, and I took them to gigs and I took, and I put pillows around them. Um, so they wouldn't fall off the, the thing in the band room and the whole deal. I traveled with these rats and I named them Trip and Miles because, <laughs> you know, we were driving with them. Anyway, everybody made fun of me, but I didn't care. I wanted these things to live. And they turned into the most wonderful pets I've ever had. I've had cats, dogs, reptiles, rabbits, ferrets. I've had hamsters. I've had every animal you can think of, horses, everything. And these rats were the best pets I ever had because they came when they were called. They would climb into the cage. They would. They're that obedient. Dude, I would, I would say, I go, come on, boys. And I'd make this little sound like, and I'd be like, come, go home, go home. And I had a towel. They, they lived, their cage was on top of my dresser. And under the cage was a towel that like hung down. And they would climb up the towel and go right into their cage. And they went in litter boxes that I had in the corner. Like I had in the corners of the apartment or the, the townhouse I was living in. And um, they would go in their litter box in their cage. Anyway, they were wonderful. Litter box. Jesus. There's so much I don't know about life. Sorry. It was so like, great. I completely they did were not wonderful. expect that. <clears throat> All right. So you're asking about how the, the snake's demise. Okay. So as I mentioned, I live in a townhouse. Trip and Miles. Uh, Trip died. He didn't make it because they were feeder rats. They're not supposed to live past a year or two. You know, they just, they just, he got a tumor on the side of his neck and I had to like give him the medication for a while. And he just, he didn't die. So I named my band trip fabulous after him. So that's an aside. Shut the fuck up. The band (laughs) is named after the dead feeder rat. Yeah. Oh my God. Miles lived to be almost five years old, which rats to begin with, even if you buy them as pets, fancy rats are only supposed to live like two to three years. Miles lived, oh. he was almost five. But anyway, Trip died. And then I just had Miles. Now, I still had the snake. Sorry, I just had to drink some water. <clears throat> I still had <laughs> this snake. His name was Arturo. And he, uh, I kept the snake in this tiny little cage he used to have like the whole room in this big giant cage but i didn't want my rats to be terrified by the smell of him um you know because they were living and stressed out all the time and in fear and i didn't want them to smell him anyway he was in a cage that he he should have been in a bigger cage he should have been in a bigger cage but i'm a terrible snake mom it sounds like someone spoken to you about personal responsibility keep going well, he was just too, he had gotten, he had gotten big and I, I put him in a smaller cage because I didn't want him taking up as much of the room as he was taking up. Um, because I wanted to move him to a, a, like his own, cause he was just out in my living room before in his big giant cage, but I wanted to move him to his own room where I could shut the door. So he wouldn't, the rats wouldn't smell him and he wouldn't smell the rats because they would both make each other crazy. Right. Gotcha. So he was in this cage that was too small for him and he was able to push his way out of the top. So he escaped his cage and yeah, this is a horrible story. I'm so, I'm such an awful person. I didn't, I don't even know. Does it involve a hatchet? No, but it involves an umbrella and a really (laughs) terrified and upset neighbor. And I feel so bad because not only did I get my snake killed, but I terrorized my poor neighbor who did not expect 
three-foot Honduran milk snake uh, to be in her bedroom in the morning. Uh, so she beat it to death with the umbrella and then knocked on my door with it in, like, tongs and its dead, lifeless, limp body, uh, like, knocked on the door. She's like, is this yours? And I was like, no. It's like, totally not mine. Why would you think that's mine? <laughs> Shut the fuck like, up. Why would you think that's mine? She's like, I don't know. It came in my house. It came through the vent. It came out. It had to come from here. And I'm like, no, it's not, it didn't come from here. We're not allowed to have pets here. Like, why would that be mine? Like, you're crazy. But I shut the door and I fucking cried my face off because I was so upset that my snake was dead. I was so upset that I terrorized this woman. And then I was so upset that I lied about it. But I didn't want her to report me to, like, my landlord and then get right. kicked out of my house. Oh, it's the most shameful thing. I, I don't talk about it much. I'll gladly tell, talk to you about the death of my cousin and and, and the, my cancer-ridden family, but I have a hard time talking about my the death of Arturo, my red Honduran milk snake. But yeah, that's how he died. He got beat to death by an umbrella because I'm irresponsible and a terrible snake mom and also a terrible neighbor. <laughs> by the way, yeah she was awful she was an awful neighbor before oh, now, you're gonna I, go there I, you're gonna go I without win. huh justify I win for yep. being the most awful neighbor i do i take that title i win for being the most awful neighbor in the end i get it but she was a horrible neighbor to me and i did not in any way do it on purpose and i did not in any way take any joy in what happened to her because i really did genuinely feel bad because could you imagine like being old lady and you see this giant red snake like dude going through your room like yeah, that, jesus that's a long enough fucking snake, man. Three feet is uh Yeah, he was he was about three. He wasn't he wasn't that thick. He was just very long, but he was skinny. Um but he was yeah, about three feet long. Maybe, maybe a little smaller, I don't know. But he was he wasn't huge. He was about he was like a bigger about as big around as a garden hose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but plenty still, that's plenty fucking big enough, man, crawling around your still house. Still terrifying, Jesus. Yeah. But I felt really bad. But you know, she had <clears throat> my I my parents uh had a Labor Day party and they, their recycle bin didn't fit, you know, the bottles and they weren't allowed to put more or whatever. So we took half the bottles and put them in our recycle bin. And then she called the cops on us the next day and said, we had a loud party the night before. And I was like, <laughs> no, we didn't. And we weren't even here. We, uh, you know, so, and then she, there was a, a leak in her, there was a leak in her kitchen and our Chinese non-English speaking landlord um, she called him and convinced him to go into our house to look for why there was a leak in her kitchen. So she was oh. snooping through. She would always try to invite herself in and I wouldn't let her come in. Um, I just didn't really want to, I didn't want her in my apartment. I don't know. Or it was a townhouse, but anyway, she was like, <laughs> I woke up. Thank God. Like we didn't have a gun. Cause I might've shot her. I, I saw you now when you're lying down and like you can see under the door, like you can see movement, like yeah. feet, shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I saw that. Of course, I was like terrified. Get the and, 12 uh, gauge. Yeah, and I and I, I opened the door, and there she is with my landlord. She's rifling through my, my closet, which my bedroom's on my second floor. She's rifling through my closet. She's got my shoes in her hand. Right. I'm like, what, what are you, what fuck? is going on? There's a leak in my kitchen, and it's coming from, I'm like, you think it's coming from my shoe closet? Like, what are you doing in here? So anyway. She was awful, a horrible neighbor, but I'm not proud of what I did to her, and I still feel bad about it to this day. <laughs> kind of sounds like you justify it in a very weird way. I'm just going to yeah, say. Yeah, maybe. Maybe may. that's how I assuage my own guilt, but <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a lot. So <laughs> <Arturo>. <laughs> To dredge that back 
And I'm also going to put it on the record. If you are able to train rats, you kind of could train a snake to go to a particular place. I'm just saying there's an Edgar Allan Poe story that kind of... I probably could have trained him. (laughs) I should have had clamps on his on the lid so he couldn't wasn't strong enough to push it off but it's not that the cage was too small is that he was too big he was too strong to be in the kind of cage that it was it should have been a locking lid and it wasn't and he was able to even though i had a brick on top of it he was able to push his way up and out of it okay well at least you have the brick. <sighs> yeah arturo with one eye beaten to death by an umbrella and a terrified one-eyed, old lady one-eyed arturo and he was just <laughs> Just seeking a frozen mouse because you had um, domesticated him so badly he couldn't even <laughs> eat on his own in the wild. He was All like, he wanted was a cooked, thawed mouse, man. Oh God, I can't. Anyway, <laughs> what if he like passed by Miles? What if he like considered eating Miles and like passed by him because he was like, ah, oh, no, that's not dead and thawed. Yeah, probably went through his brain, right? Or was Miles <laughs> on the one side where he lost the eye and he had, he had no fucking idea? Uh, well, what I know went through his brain was the tip of my neighbor's umbrella. Oh, shit. God, <laughs> Listen, you have to be able to joke about it. That's how you heal. What a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Except for this woman who's traumatized, doesn't go to sleep without medication now. Right? Like, she's just fucking... <laughs> she's so startled. Or maybe she refuses medication because she's like, Good. I if, have if to she's, be hyper If she's sleeping, she can't rifle through my belongings in the second floor of my apartment looking for a leak. Yeah, that's fucked up, too. <laughs> Jesus, landlords. Landlords, take notice. Um, personally, I am not afraid of you and all your fragmented excuses. In fact, maybe we could try out a few of your one thousand wonderful uses. Don't tell me you're a victim circumstance. I may seem easy at first glance, but I promise you I'll hold my stance on. Listen to your raves and rants. So take this as your notice in advance. I won't be the answer. Let me ask this actually. So five, six, seven, eight, personally, nothing. Kelly left, which is my favorite because the pianos come into play and 360. Um, are any of those like happy places or are we just going to spend four more? These uh, are dark stories. No, they're none of them are happy. <laughs> but personally, it's real quick. Personally, is just, um, I, it was basically like, I, every male friend I've ever had who I thought was genuinely my friend turned out was not my friend and just was trying to like date me and I had friend zoned them without realizing it and then they were mad at me and they hated my guts and never wanted to talk to me again and all I was trying to do was be the friend that they were pretending to be you know Mm -hmm. um so that's what personally is about personally is like 
And it's also about being like trying to be tough. And then if I, if I slip and I do say, I love you, like, don't take it personally. Like leave me like, you know, I'm, I'm my own person. And you know, it's just me trying to be a tough guy. How could you, (laughs) how could you be like, if I actually slip and say, I love you, don't take it personally. (laughs) What? I don't know if that makes sense to me. Um, I don't know. It's just the, at the end of the song, it's like a play on words. It's kind of like, make sure you take it personally, you know, but it's, you're still trying to like tease them a little bit then. Yeah. So it's more, it's, it's about the, it's about the friend zone thing, but it's also about like, listen, you, we, you might've, you might've gotten me like we, we might be dating now, but like this, this isn't any, like, don't think you, don't think you can like control me or have me in any way. Like I'm still not like you know i might i might go there with you sometimes but we're not like this isn't a thing you know so and i don't want to say this i don't even know how to say it but if you go it, it's funny to me i guess i'm trying to think how to word it on the fly without being like i don't know if it's pretentious but just being a flat out dick like it's funny that you're like I just kind of hang out with guys and then these motherfuckers catch feelings and I'm like bro I thought we were just like boys not like a thing. Does the does that apply for your feeling towards women also, or when you had feelings towards women or was it like a different sensation you didn't feel played or you didn't feel like there was this alternative motive like oh you're no, just fucking trying to be nice because you want happened some Happened with women, but the difference between and in my experience, I'm not trying to generalize all women or generalize all men. But in my experience, a few times that it did happen with women, they took it way better. And we continued our friendship and we were able to be friends. And it was like that line was clear and it was cool. And then everything was fine. They generally, like I said, in my experience, the women that I, that had to have that, you know, we, I thought we were friends. I thought we were cool. They were like pursuing my friendship in some kind of way. And I thought like, this is cool. I'm friends with this person. And then they made a move and I was like, yeah, I am not there. Um, there might've been a little bit of like, Oh, well, all right, cool. But then we stayed friends and everything was fine. But like the guys get like super aggro and just be like, uh, you know, fuck the bitch and that fuck the bitch, you know? And it's like, Whoa, Hey, how come I'm a bitch? Like, what did I, what did I do to you? Other than like, what did I do to you? Other but, than but make it clear truthful, that we're, right? we're friends. Like I never led you on and never trust me. If I, I'm not shy. And if I want it to go there, like you will know. <laughs> and if you are my actual friend, you know that about me. So if you have any like, you know, secret feelings in your brain that you think you're going to like change my mind, you think you're going to turn me like you're not. And that's what personally is about. Oh. So one dude or multiple dudes <clears throat> shit built up or one dude set it off and then it just became like this. Um, What's it called? A prophecy or no prophetic where like you speak it into existence and then it just yeah. keeps happening. I, I, <laughs> I, think, there's, I think there's no, I think it. It happened enough times to the point where I was just like trying to think of who I was, who I actually wrote that about. I was trying to think of the, the if there was one person or if it was just like a group yeah, of, like, of experiences. Just kind of. I don't think I had like mind. one person in mind. It was just like a group of experiences, basically like that keep that kept coming. I kept getting myself into the same situation that would end the same way, and I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? It must be like I'm too nice, or maybe I'm. Too, I don't know. I don't. Maybe I send off the wrong signal or maybe I look like, like it says, like I may seem easy at first glance, but like easy being like an easy puzzle to figure out. But, um, maybe I'm 
putting off some kind of vibe. I don't know. But where they're thinking easy is not in a puzzle easy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm saying I'm a, I'm a yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. right. So you get it. So it's like, am I like, is this, is it me? Like, am I, is there, is there something wrong with me that these people are getting this, this wrong idea or is just, yeah, it's just like uh, very frustrating. Cause I thought, you know, so I really thought that, I had some genuine friends and it turned out that they were lying. They weren't my friend. They didn't want to be my friend. They didn't care about me or my life yeah. at all other than making me theirs. You it's know? so interesting <clears throat> that you say making me theirs versus like, I like when I'm hearing it, I'm thinking in my head, like have a relationship. So I, I don't know. I'm like in my head, shit, I'm now I'm all up in my head and my tongue's tied. <laughs> But I'm like, it, it, is it, does it mean that they're not genuinely into you as a friend or is it just more like they're just so fucking disappointed that they're being led on where they thought they had a chance to actually have a serious relationship with someone that's I think it's the, it was more about the type of person I was attracting, meaning like if it were somebody that I were, were, were like debating on whether or not having a relationship, that's not what that song's about. It's about the people who thought like these guys that just thought they could come in and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm dating a singer, that band. Yeah. She's, that's my girlfriend. And like, they're there and like, no, no, don't, don't play that show tonight. I don't like that bar. Like, you know, just those dudes that are, and I'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) How can you think? Yeah. It was just for some reason at some point during, I guess throughout high school and like a little bit into my twenties, I was like attracting these dudes that just wanted to own me. Like I was like a, piece of like like a some kind of trophy or like got you so that yeah is, it was like that a is, st- I, I see the control now got you if they're saying shit like and that. i yeah and i didn't understand it because at the time like i said i didn't think i was any kind of prize like right. i didn't think i was any kind of like i i honestly thought i swear and this is why i got myself into the situation all the time because i never thought that anyone actually would be into me i thought someone would be embarrassed to date me I thought mm. someone would be like, like not attracted to me. Like, like I said, I had no idea that I was like something. I didn't. I had no idea that I was someone, someone that anyone would find of value. I had very low. I don't want to say low self esteem because I didn't have low self esteem. Like I was proud of myself in the way that I wouldn't let anyone walk all over me and I wouldn't do things just to get people to like me. Like it wasn't there, but I had low self worth. And if that's not a different thing, maybe I'm using the words wrong, but I just, I really, really all throughout my life. I mean, all throughout my life, I still struggle with it now. I might, I might actually struggle with it now more than I did when I was a kid, but it just matters less because I have other bigger fish to fry, you know, but I always have always struggled with like, I'm ugly or I'm fat or I'm dumb or my songs are stupid or my voice sounds like a a frog drowning or this color is hideous on me or my hair is horrible or something that I say is going to be insensitive and I'm an idiot and and people are offended by everything I say. You know, I just always, and this, again, there's a big self pity party and it sucks. I'm embarrassed by it, but like, that's the reality. I have those voices all the time. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, you fat piece of shit. And I'm embarrassed of that because the last fucking thing I want in this life is for my daughter to ever, I I don't ever want anyone to say something like that to my daughter, especially Mm. her own brain, you know? Yeah. So I struggle really, really hard with not conveying that to her. Like I never, ever say like, oh, I look fat in that or oh, I'm uglier. Never in front of her. I always go, you have such a 
you are such a smart mom. Your mom's so strong. And if, mm. you know, if, if the time is right, I'll be like, your mom is, look at me. I look so pretty in this, don't I? You know, but at the same time, there's that balance. Like, I don't want her to be conceited. Like, right. I'm the best there ever was at everything there ever is. You know, I don't want her that. Like, it's it's tough. It's that it, raising a girl in this world. I'm raising a boy, too. But it, it's the same. It's like, it's challenging. You don't want to put the wrong message. And my biggest fear for her is that fucking voice that I have yeah. in my head that 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 answers every question wrong and I don't want her to have that but blah 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 um at the time I couldn't I couldn't fathom that anyone would actually be interested in me um like so when I became friends with these people and they became a part of my life then it turned out they were I was like fuck oh that's cool I thought we were friends like whatever dude you know gotcha. so and again it was it was the ones that wanted it was the ones that wanted to control what I did wanted to take care of me wanted to pay for things wanted to me to get rid of my car that I was driving and you know let me drive you and whatever you know stuff like that so that's where personally came from huh I I really like what you said about the voices and I I feel I guess not to go too side tangenty but I couldn't imagine the voices people kids get now, especially with social media, when you post fucking anything, and if you don't get enough likes, you don't get enough clicks. You, oh, it's you don't, terrifying! Jesus. It's so then, much worse now. Lord help you if you get not only like not enough likes, not enough clicks, not enough thumbs up, whatever, but a fucking negative comments or a, a slew of negatives. Like, yeah, what that would put in your fucking head as a developing adolescent is is it's unfathomable <clears throat> to me. To this day, I'm 44 years old. I still am careful about what I post because I can't handle. Now, if it's if it's something negative about me that I disagree that that little voice doesn't express, then gloves are off. I will fight you <laughs> tooth and nail. But if it's something said to me that that little voice in my head agrees with, oh, uh, the affirmation, I'm yeah, so hurt, like yeah. personal, deeply hurt yeah. by George behind his keyboard who didn't like the color of my hair that day, right. like that. Like if I had, if I, if that voice is like fuck that your hair's great like then i'm fine and i george can be george all day and, and trash my hair all he wants but yeah. if that voice said oh man that looks shitty on you and i and my voice agrees with george oh my god then george controls my life for the next six days and i don't want to eat or or eat too much or i don't want to get out of bed or i can't sleep you know and, it, and that fucking george with his stupid comment controls my whole life yeah and it's not george it's my fucking dumb voice that i listen to but if it agrees with George and George says something nasty, I'm fucked, you know, and I don't want my daughter to go through that. But how do I protect her from that? How do I save her from that from in this world? I don't know if you can. Just the, the love and self-confidence comes, I think, from just knowing <clears throat> that you got someone who fights that voice for you, right? Like having someone that, you know, like my mom, even if I feel this way, I know my mom doesn't look at me that way. And you get strength from that. Uh, yeah, but that's true. Aside that's from true. parenting advice so was george another like piece of shit neighbor is that why you're picking on george oh no i just made up a name george sure. Is, sure. my parents had my parents had uh, a squirrel <laughs> fell out of a tree's nest this, all my stories are so ridiculous but they're true a squirrel <laughs> fell out of a nest in a tree and it was a baby squirrel and somehow it took a liking to my dad and oh. it like climbed up his pant leg and my dad would feed it and it was around for a while and 
my daughter would be like holding it and it would hear my dad's voice and like jump across the patio to just to get to my dad. Like, he loved my dad. Oh, wow. And his name was George. And then, uh, then he just kind of stopped coming around. He probably died or something, whatever, but his name, and I, I don't know why I went there, but I just thought of George. <laughs> George is the, is the baby squirrel that loved my dad. The baby <laughs> squirrel. Who's a fucking internet troll. That's where he went. He went to his mother's basement and now it's just nothing but a fucking internet troll. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm like, I fed you corn, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Fuck you. I taught you how to type, and now you want to use that <laughs> skill against me? I taught you how to type. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so, and again, dude, I, I totally, and it's fucking poor podcast hosting on my little primitive ass. Um, I'm up, running up against a little bit of a hard deadline on mine, and- You got it. Because I didn't think, honestly, <laughs> like I thought five minutes, I had no idea the amount of thought Jesus. And like experience that went to each of these songs. And I guess I should apologize for that because when you hear them, you can tell they fucking like they're deep. But at the same time, I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I apologize. But for the last three, pick your favorite kid. Nothing. My favorite kid. Nothing. Kelly left or 360. Well, I can sum them up quickly for you. Okay. Kelly left. My dad wrote the lyrics too. and he would sing into them and he'd give them to me because he wanted me to write. And I was like, well, I don't know what to write about. And he said, so he would sing me all these songs. Um, I have boxes and boxes of tapes that my dad just sang into. And they were about the most ridiculous things. My dad loved motorcycles. They were about motorcycles. My dad, you know, it was just, but Kelly left my dad wrote most of the lyrics too. I tweaked them to make it my own, but my dad wrote that song basically. I wrote the music. Um, but yeah, my dad, I took one of my dad's uh, tapes and made it into a song. So who was Kelly though? Uh, Kelly was actually my sister's roommate who left, they're still best friends now, but she left to move to California and they had been roommates for six or seven years. And my sister was devastated when she moved out. Just, they're just friends. It wasn't an, a kind of romantic relationship. They're both straight. Um, but she was my sister's roommate. And then the day, this is really weird, real quick story. The day I met, I met, so I dated this girl, Kelly off and on for about six years. Oh shit. And she, the day I met her. Um, she said, Hey, can I buy you a drink? And I was like, Yeah, what's your name? My name's Kelly. I said, I wrote a song about you. <sighs> and she was like, What? I'm like, Yeah, I did. It's called Kelly Left. And that's how we started talking. And it's funny because to this day, you know. Anyway, but we're still we're still great friends. We're still really great friends. She's actually married to like a wonderful girl now, but she's she's still one of my best friends. But it's funny, everybody 
who knows us thinks that I wrote that about her when we broke up, and it's just not the truth. I wrote before I even met her. So that's how you actually got with her. What a fucking yeah. boss move. Jesus. Isn't that funny? You you got a little aggro in you. <laughs> I heard a song about you. Well, she I so I wrote a song about her about you. And she's like, What's it called? I go, It's Cal, it's called Kelly Left. And she goes, Oh well fuck her. And I'm like, Yeah, fuck her. And we cheers and then we drank Jaeger and then we just hung out. And then we started talking and then we were, you know, kinda like I said, off and on for six years, but but yeah, and then nothing. an abusive relationship it was a, a the guy was i was in my i was in high school my was my first boyfriend no my second boyfriend ever my first real boyfriend my first boyfriend that like called himself my boyfriend <laughs> uh that you allowed he, to call him yeah boyfriend. right exactly <laughs> um he would get angry and he would hit me he choked me he punched me in the thigh one time i was a i was a track runner like i said he punched me so hard he bruised my leg and like, i couldn't run for a couple days and, holy shit yeah he would just we would get in fights and listen it wasn't like i was like oh what do you want what do you want to do tonight and he was like shut up bitch it wasn't like that like right. we would get into i had I'm not saying in any way I deserved it. Obviously, no one ever deserves to get hit by anybody, let alone a man or a woman, whatever. But we would get into it, and I would fucking fight him, and you know, we, things would escalate, and he would—he was bigger than me, obviously, and yeah, he definitely physically, physically knocked me around two or three times. It happened two or three times, and then that was it. I was like, now nah, I'm out. Fuck, bye, whatever. God. So that's what that song was about. Um, and I wrote that years later. I mean, I wrote that when I was. Well, whatever age I was when I wrote, I can't, I, I can't do the math. Like twenty four, I guess twenty five when I wrote that, wrote that whole record. Um, so eight, seven, eight years later, I wrote that. Wow. Um, but actually had, a, actually had a miscarriage from that relationship, and life would have been very different if that baby was born, um, because I was seventeen or sixteen at the time. So, 
um, nothing is about that whole thing about, you know, nothing's left now, you know, they, you know, I, I didn't have a miscarriage because of him. It was just because I was 16 probably and my body wasn't ready or whatever. I don't know what happened. Just God didn't want me to have a baby at the time. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I was running on the beach and I just had these crazy cramps and I went into the water and I came out and yeah, it was bad. But in any event, uh, I hate to like glaze over that. <laughs> I know. So now, more... now, I, now I feel like a fucking dick and you're, no, going, like, and you're talking so There's so, so much more story going... there, but it's just more heartbreak and awful stuff. And I... I still dream about her and I, I still think it would have been a girl and I, you know, it's whatever. So anyway, nothing is about the guy that used to hit me that I almost had a baby with. Um, so, and I, and I would have, people ask me like, would you have had her? You were 16. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes, I would have. I know that answer right now. I a hundred percent would have. Um, but I didn't know I was pregnant at the time that I had a miscarriage until I had a miscarriage. So, oh. <clears throat> Yeah. So there was that. And then 360 is just, uh, again, it, now, this is an easy one to explain. Time is funny like that. When your hair It's a bunch of basically nonsense words that uh, the guy wanted me to put together a bunch of songs. I had a bunch of nonsense words um, like she has lake eyes. Um, it's about a, a boy I had a crush on and actually girl I had, a, I, had a, I had a couple crushes in grade school crushes on crushes on my best friend who was a girl and I didn't understand it. I was confused crush on a boy that who I, I ended up singing at his wedding. And if you told me that I would be singing at his wedding and he wasn't marrying me uh, at the time that I thought of these lyrics, I would have um, probably jumped off a bridge. Um, <laughs> but, grade school, eh? Interesting. Yeah, I, like all through grade school, I pined for this kid. And uh, so 360 is basically about having crushes because later on, Everyone in my life that I ever had a crush on, and this is true, everyone in my life I ever had a crush on, whether it was one year, five years, 15, 20 years later, came back around and said, you know, I had the biggest crush on you. And I was like, God uh, damn it. Why didn't we – even the girls who are straight, quote unquote, right. like still like, oh, I totally would have hooked up with you. I had the biggest crush. And I'm like, what? God damn. You know, so that's what 360 is about, like things coming around full circle. And uh, – and they're, and they're kind of nonsense lyrics, like, but I just threw that song together, but that's what the inspiration for that one was. And I think we're, I think we're, we topped out at nine, right? 
nine was on there and fuck me. I should have been more like, Hey man, how long do you think? Cause it's funny again, like, and I'm looking at the difference in recording and talk. We were just shooting the shit for like 25 minutes beforehand. Right. <laughs> and right, I'm like, right. that's what I get for fucking being polite and friendly. Maybe I should have just done the whole fucking like, no man, let's get down to business thing. No, um, it's fine. I, I listen to think that anyone's going to be interested enough to listen to me blather on about this stuff. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if anyone's going to want to, but I, I appreciate that you think they'll listen to me. <laughs> right. Well, no, I just, I, well, I do. I think like if people are fans of yours, I think people can get interested in like the behind the, the thoughts behind things. And that, again, it just, w- when I listen to the music, it, what it didn't match what I expected. And I've never seen you play, to be honest with you. Um, I've never been to, um, any of your shows I'm really but, really good but Just kidding. <laughs> but so i hear but like but um it, it the music on this didn't match my perception of how you rock if that makes sense like it's basically you and a fucking guitar man and you're like singing and then all of a sudden there's two songs with like a piano or it might have been three and i'm like holy shit dude there's like a lot behind this and i didn't realize it was as much as i found out today um or else i would have been like hey man maybe we'll get a call at two or something like that, you know? Wow. Well, like I said, I do appreciate it. And listen, it took me my whole life to write that record. You know, maybe like not all of my songs have that kind of story, but it took me my whole life to write that. You know, at the time there was, there was the first nine songs I'd ever written. Right. No, there it's, it, it's really, to me, it's really interesting. Um, again, I don't do this podcast for listeners. I do this podcast for me. Okay. There you go. This is mine. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but no, dude, Laura Lee, thank you. Thank you, man, so much for, uh, I don't know, carving out a couple hours and um, getting so deep again with um, all those. I appreciate it. Um, appreciate hearing about it. And uh, especially you're, you abusing a um, handicapped snake. I think that's my <laughs> biggest takeaway. The animal abuse oh for, a handicap, for a handicapped reptile is uh, Arturo. something. Arturo. <laughs> shout out. R.I.P. Arturo. We'll pour some out for him. Whoever's listening to this, if you're drinking, pour some out for Arturo. Oh, my God. I'm going to go start drinking now and think about Arturo and his one eye. <laughs> go to a dark place. <laughs> so if you get like – if you win a snake at like a carnival, do you immediately pull out one of the eyes <laughs> to make it more Arturo-ish? <laughs> Can that be a thing? Yes, all of my pets actually. My three cats only have one eye. There are three <laughs> eyes between them because um all of my pets have that's a requirement. I only accept pets that have one eye, and if they don't have only one eye, I make it so that they do. Saw. It's like saw than this bitch. Told you I'm a terrible pet mother. What right? what else do I have to tell you to make you believe me? <laughs> that's it. I don't want you to mail any of that to me. Keep the eyes. <laughs> Keep the eyes. My box of pets' eyes. Oh, Lord. This yeah. is taking a very strange turn. It is. Let's I'm, quit while we're ahead. I'm just going to take it out of context. Never mind. All right. Um, thanks, dude. Thank you so much. It was so great getting to know a little more about your songs. And um, hopefully sometime this summer, I'll be able to um, check out a show from a, a safe, reasonable distance. Yeah, that'd be great. We're starting up. We're starting up, taking those steps. But I'll, I'll send those songs to you, too, just so you can listen to them. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Sweet. All, All right, Laura Sean. Lee. Thank you. Thank you, man. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Thanks to Laura Lee for sharing those intimate details about her songs. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed hearing, after listening to especially, the uh, story behind the song. So be sure, support 
a artist, an artist, <laughs> to be grammatically correct, and check out her original work. The album's name, which I found on iTunes, is Laura Lee, but it's spelt Laura Leah. <laughs> Maybe I've just been saying her last name wrong. Laura Leah, L-A-U-R-A space L-E-A. That's an A at the end of the E. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the podcast. Um, go to AndrePsyche.com for some trippy merch that's going to be worth checking out. And if you have not already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'd actually really like to know. I'd be interested in, in a sincere way. Uh, do you like this kind of thing? There are so many bands, so many original artists around Delaware, especially Southern Delaware, that play music and have songs behind them. And I would love to help and promote them. So if this is something that the audience is interested in, just hit us up. Let us know that you're into knowing what what artists think of when they make music. And uh, I will stalk (laughs) them until they come on the pod and share their stories. Now for what everyone's been waiting for. The word of the pod. Songstress. Songstress. Hopefully, I can keep it one word from here on out. Songstress is the word of the pod. So please post that word on any of our social media sites or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use the word of the pod, Songstress, on yours. And you will get a shout out on the very next podcast. Also, don't forget, please subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod. We're on Apple, Spotify, or any podcast podcast platform you prefer. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of the Getting to Know You podcast or advertise on, and I feel like I should be saying advertise on instead of sponsor, but I use them as one is the same. We here at the Getting to Know You pod would love to partner with you. We have a wide ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. All you have to do is message us. Later.